Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 227, a jam-packed episode, so I'm not going to go too long. Uh, Justin from Maiden Utica is here for a very quick seven-minute segment that we taped right before the show went on the air. Uh, also, uh, Heather is back. Kevin is here. Joe Marino is back for his seventh visit as we prepare for Election Day on November 5th. It also happens to be our Halloween spooktacular. I can't say that. That's uh, you guys stole that. The Utica Zoo. I can't say spook. You're getting Utica Zoo. Don't sue me, Heather. Don't sue me. Stop suing me. All right. Episode two twenty seven, folks. Halloween special. Uh, Joe Marino's back. Justin's here. Heather's here. Kevin's here. It's all happening. We are happy as always to have you here. Oh yes. Boo. Hey folks, uh, so it's a little bit of a false start there. Before we get to the normal uh, podcast this week with Kevin and Heather and our interview with Joe Marino, uh, full disclosure, Joe and I will talk about the Calverman Center during this interview. We did have a conversation about it and I thought it was very nuanced and we got pretty deep into it. Uh, but then GFOP uh, and Maiden Utica CEO, head honcho, the bad boy of Maiden Utica, Justin Parkinson, who is here. Justin, hello. H to the OB. H to the OB. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, so you came in here all in a tizzy because you had seen an update on this Kelperman Center thing, which I did not know yeah. when I was interviewing Joe. Yeah, he was already I gone. to ask him because I don't know if this is right or wrong or like, is this allowed type of thing. Sure. So... There's a letter sent today that was as for early voting season. Talk of the Town posted it, yeah. um, which is essentially a letter from the Kelberman Center asking their supporters and uh, staff to vote for three specific candidates to support their $20 million oh, wow. project. This is wild. Is that bad? All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read part of this letter out here for you guys. Okay, this is on Talk of the Town's uh, Facebook page. So if you're curious where I'm looking at this, Talk of the Town from 743 October 25th, yeah. so yes, yesterday? Yesterday. On Friday. Friday, yeah, so God, this is a couple days. God, Facebook, there this? you go, Jeez. yeah. Uh, all right, so here we are. Uh, dear staff and supporters of the Calvin Center, I am sure many of you are aware there have been significant controversies surrounding our plans for an inclusive housing and lifestyle opportunity for individuals with disabilities in South Utica. Having procured almost $20 million against steep odds, we made the assumption that the neighborhood would be thrilled to have a beautiful new building in place of a crumbling, empty 100-year-old structure. We did not count on the inevitable resistance to the change, sadly, by the way, uh, and the unspoken but very real reluctance to share the neighborhood of individuals perceived as being different. That is a misnomer? Yes. That's a People hard, want to build smaller. That is a hard misnomer, yeah. and that's actually something we All talked about. All 12 units were favored, right? This, this, is, this, yeah. <laughs> this is actually something that we... No, and that's... Yeah. I'm actually glad that we brought this up, because this is something that we talked about on the interview. Yeah. If you go through that area of South Utica... The signs don't say, don't build this building. Yeah, they say, build, build it smaller. smaller. Yeah. So it's, this is not a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, I'm going to go on. Equally as sad, the neighbors have chosen to make this very political, and certain politicians have taken a strong position against our groundbreaking project as plans. There's, fortunately, fortunately, there are still people in public office who stand on principle and in particular support our mission. They support individuals with disabilities, and more importantly, they support all of you. 
we while we rec certainly don't do this lightly, we responsibly we respectfully ask that you make sure to vote in the upcoming election and support the following candidates for public office. Robert Palmieri for mayor, Tony Vicente for county executive. I keep calling him Tony, isn't it? Anthony, sorry, I don't know why. And Michael Galimi for uh, common council president. Two of the three of the folks have been on this podcast. Yeah, by the way. I don't know if they would recommend that. <laughs> I don't know if they would accept As, this yeah, endorsement. Yeah, I feel weird. <laughs> right? yeah. Uh, thanks to you, all of you and our extended family for this for this consideration. As we continue to support individuals and families with disabilities, respectively, Michael Kelberman and I can't see the bottom notes. It's yep. and Robert Myers. That that's both Dr. of them. Doctor Robert Myers. Okay. So I wish I had seen this before Joe yeah, came Yeah, I was in. trying to get... I'm just curious what he would hmm. say and with the legality or whatever of it. Because as Handshake um, and somebody who went through a yeah. a thing with politicians, mm -hmm. we have to be very careful, especially now, who we say would be somebody we would support, right? Or telling people... Just from a not-for-profit status. You know, Justin, you and I, uh, we don't talk... Very rarely do I bring you on the show to talk about <laughs> politics, and a lot of it is because you know we work for a company that is a right. nonprofit, and well, it's not really important yeah. necessarily. Well, this seems to be a not political issue. Right, turn political. Right. This is a community development issue that yeah. has now become a political firestorm. Mm -hmm. But and the reason I, the reason I bring it up is one of the things I, I didn't get around to asking him this because I think we sort of touched on it in various ways. Have you noticed in this upcoming election, particularly locally? Democrat and Republican seem to be kind of amorphous. Like, the people who are running... Yeah, I think that's like, Utica a lot, though. Is it just more noticeable now? Like Maybe not, because of our exterior climate, you notice it more... There's a lot maybe? of bipartisan here, because you're looking at somebody just off of this. I mean, Mike's a Republican, right? Mike's a Republican, uh, Tony's Vicente a Republican. Paul Mary's a Democrat. But Mike, so there's, there's a but lot Mike, of... You know, but, you Tony, know. but Tony... But Tony Vicente, as a guy who's a Republican... Right. Uh, seems to do a lot of bipartisan work but that with Democrats because of the area. Whereas Mike Hennessy, who right. was on here last week, very nice guy, running as a Democrat, as a guy who's a registered Democrat, yeah. I looked at a lot of his stuff. I was like, well, some of this is Democrat, but not. Not all. Yeah, you're running as a Democrat because there's a Republican in office, and you can run it. Right. You can get there. The, you can get the ticket. Yeah. There's yeah. a, and I wonder if that is in any way frustrating or confusing to people who are voting locally, especially people who are only voting party lines. Right. We're only just going to like, I I'm... think that's a new era of the voter is specific to party line, right? Like, it doesn't even matter who it is or what they did. Man. It's the D or the R, and, and that's what's that. So, like, I mean, someone like Hennessy, when I was listening, it's a, if he's even leaning Republican, it's so smart for him to go Democrat just because it's an open ticket. You get on a line yeah. with little, like, opposition, you know? Even if you don't believe the Democrats... Hmm. It's just crazy. I, I don't know. Like, And I also, and it, you know, something that we talked about in the interview as well, and I've talked about with Kevin off the air. And I'll, I'll ask you because I don't think we ever talked about this. Yeah. Do you feel like there is not a lot of discussion in either local media or publicly? Oh, for sure. People yeah. are not talking no. about this at all no. with the election, just no. in general. I feel no. like this election is a week away and, and nobody, nobody cares. cares. Yeah. I, yeah. There's, uh, I think that's part of like the engaging in debates. Um, some of these forums are fluff things that well, are like they're having breakfast Katie, and ask a couple questions about farming like big whoop well katie you know? live tweet live tweeted basically the the south utica forum yep. and you know joe told me there's you know 80 to 70 80 people there that's a good that's a good turnout but yep. then last week in wherever it was the yeah it, the other forum like there's more seven, candidates yeah. than so, there are people yeah. i don't know well look um 
Kevin is here. Heather's going to be here in a minute. I do have yeah, other stuff to show. To, bring that up to them and see what they think. I'm curious. Right. I just don't know if it's legal. I looked up well, the stuff on New York State's not profit because I am curious for this for Handshake because, yeah. God forbid, we ever did something like, hey, vote mm-hmm. for this person so we can keep our part. Now weird? I know I can't send letters out. I yeah, think it's a crime. It's so. uh, well, listen, I appreciate you uh, bringing this over to me. I'm sorry yeah, no we problem. couldn't get you in before no, Joe no, got no, here. No, no, no. Um, I was just curious to know what he says. Maybe right. he can comment on it tomorrow or something. We'll, uh, we'll talk more about this off the air as well. And maybe when I'm done, here i'll um i'll reach out to joe and, see if and ask a, him yeah. what his thoughts were so all right uh, i appreciate you no uh, we'll be back to the show the regularly scheduled show in just a minute thanks justin yep. Waiting here. Like really, you were ready. <laughs> like you're, you're ready. I was sitting at the table playing guitar for like half an hour before you got here. Yeah, I've, been, oh, nice. I've been sitting here over there watching YouTube and stuff, so I've been ready. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. my bad. Uh, that's all right. I'm happy that you're here. Yeah, I'm back. I actually, I thought I was gonna have to miss the podcast this week. We we're expecting to possibly have to make a rehearsal tonight mm. um, on the fly. But it didn't turn out that way, so I was ready to have to be conciliatory and be like, "Hey, Heather, you're here, and I'm not." Well, to be fair, um, this is sort of a. The way this episode worked out, it, it, it ends up we're probably going to be on for like thirty-five minutes with all just you and you and me and Heather. So, oh yeah. Uh, well, because uh, Joe Marino is back for his uh, seventh interview. Woo-hoo. Um, wow! And it is again a couple things to note. It is both our Halloween episode. Technically, since Halloween oh, yeah. is this week, I, I haven't really thought. Oh, man. I keep forgetting I, Halloween. We'll charge it up. Hit stop. We're doing a Halloween episode. Don't you cheat me out of a Halloween episode. <laughs> I just did. Don't so, even do it. I got songs ready. I got movies to talk <laughs> about. Best costumes I saw over the weekend. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get. To, I have a Halloween I section. <laughs> I love Halloween. What can I say? I can tell. Um, Whatever, Heather. You didn't even know it was this week. You love it so much. I knew wow. that the, the thing was this week, but I knew there was a podcast episode yeah. this week. I didn't realize it was yeah, my job right, to be whatever. the showrunner when we got the showrunner. Okay. And it is technically also the election oh, episode, yeah. because by the time people hear this, like, next episode comes out on Tuesday, which will be election day. So yeah. anyone I have on, you'll yeah. have already been voting for. So this mm-hmm. is the last time. You gotta go vote. Yeah, yeah everybody. You have to better go vote. vote. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you vote for. Just vote. <laughs> it just takes a second, yeah. literally. I'm not going to send a letter to your house telling you who to vote for um, because that's unethical. That would be like, weird. Just go vote for whoever you want to vote yeah. for. And I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, welcome, folks. Episode 227 here of the UDCast. Uh, I, of course, Sam Pimolaro, Kevin Sullivan, Heather Waz. Uh, we are here chilling, getting ready for uh, another exciting podcast. But Joe Marino is here. He went about an hour. Uh, we had a great conversation, talked about a lot of stuff. And then right after Joe left... Uh, First up, we did talk a little bit about the Kelberman Center and that sort of debate uh, during Joe's interview. Mm-hmm. As the interview ended and Joe went home, uh, Maiden Utica's Justin Parkinson comes running down here, <laughs> all in a tizzy, to talk about uh, this Kelberman Center letter we just talked about in the last segment. So the show's a little bit all over the place today because okay, of the way so that's the start. last segment. So what the, segment we, are we in? What Where are we in? in? That was the first segment. The first thing people will hear on this podcast is me and Justin talking about the Calvin Center letter. I see. Oh. So this is the first time they will hear us, but technically this is the second 
segment of the show. So this is oh, like so most people, already... people have moved on. So we're, moved already, on. we're after yeah. the interview, yeah. we're after Parkinson's, we're, not after, we're after breaking news. We're in between Parkinson's seven minute discussion with me about the letter and Joe's hour long interview. So we will be going into Joe's interview after this. I see. Maybe okay. did history lessons already happen? We have not no, done history lessons. Definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of an odd episode because of that. Let's start. Let's start here. It is Halloween week. Have you had a show this weekend? Was it a Halloween show? Were you in? Oh cos- yes, yes. Big okay. time Halloween show. Yeah, everybody was in. Co- I mean, yeah, yeah. It was. A big what did you? Show. What did you guys go as? Uh, so we did. You know, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this Halloween movie called Hocus Pocus. I'm familiar. You with might it. have seen some talk about it on the internet at some point. <laughs> yes. Um, but there's a famous scene in that movie where the parents are at a Halloween party. And there's a band playing, and the whole band is wearing like pilgrim sort of top hat style looks, but they've got the full skeleton makeup and jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. So we dressed as that band. Nice. Did you get the face paint? Oh hell yeah! Oh wow! Oh yeah, I was, I, I was painted up Saturday. I was painted up in a full skeleton suit, how was jumpsuit. Playing in the face paint. Uh, the worst. So the worst part about the face paint was we had our friend um, Angelica help us out with the makeup. She did the makeup for us. She's a talented artist because we're all we don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're not smearing yeah. stuff on ourselves like animals if it was left up to us. Uh, she helped us out, but she had to work, so our call time for makeup was like 2 p.m. When did you play? Uh, we started playing at 10. We Ooh, loaded oh in. At, we loaded in at like 7:30 or 8. So game? I I can't. I sat right here at this house. <laughs> I sat right here at this house in my room, and I watched Peaky Blinders on Netflix while trying not to itch my face or touch my face or rub up against anything. Yeah, yeah. Did you go out in public beforehand? No, I just I, I just drove I drove to and from, but I was definitely at like three o'clock. I'm driving in the Village Green in Clinton with my face, yeah, full skeleton yeah. paint, listening to like music loud in the black jeep, just rolling around. Oh, There's some kids man. looking at me like, what? What's this fella up to here? <laughs> That's great, uh, Heather. We were both involved in Made in Utica's ha- uh, haunted handshake this Saturday, which is sort of our Halloween experience yeah. for the weekend. Uh, I acted in the haunted house as well as. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Heather, what did you think? You were there helping us set up for two days, three days yeah, beforehand. Yeah, I didn't do as much as everybody else. I couldn't do it. You were as, working. But you had stuff to do. Um, but I thought it was awesome. I actually went in there. Do you remember seeing me? I went in there. I, I don't know if you saw me. Okay. Okay, good. I'm so good. I went through quick. But it was awesome. I thought it, for the time it was put together and mm. everything, it was amazing. In classic uh, pull-back-the-curtain fashion, uh, I pitch a lot of ideas to Maiden Utica that aren't always, that don't always get picked up. I expect that, right? It's mm-hmm. it's okay. My ideas are always weird sometimes. Not always, but sometimes they're a little weird, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I, I'm taking full credit for this idea. I just full credit. Great. Full. It's true. I'm taking full credit for this idea. Uh, I pitched this idea and drew it on a piece of paper and gave it to Justin one night when we were sort of casually talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I never expected to hear anything back from it. And this is one of those weird Rick and Morty moments where for every nine adventures that Maiden Utica has, I get to pick one. And this was the one. This is my one. It was a good one. uh, I had a great time with it. I was really impressed by all the Maiden Utica staff who, all the people who worked for us, who came up with really, really great ideas for their booths. Like some of the... Like Zach Wilson doing the it full it costume with Creepy. the face paint. With if anybody, shout out to anybody with an internet connection. You need to go on WKTV's Facebook or whatever. And I don't say that lightly because it's normally junk. But you got to go on there and look at the video interview that they did of the haunted house where they speak to mm-hmm. a great friend of the podcast, Katie Riley. Um, <laughs> and while she's talking, you'll notice if you look in the background, past her shoulder and walking behind her, a cameo of mm-hmm. Zach Wilson as Pennywise. Yep. And maybe it's just because I know them and I know the scene and I know the setup and like I get it. But I laughed 
so hard when I watched it. It's definitely <laughs> worth the watch. I actually felt bad for the KTV guy who was filming it because... He certainly wanted to cut all of Zach out of there, but he couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't cut all of it out. But there's at least 15 more seconds. What I'm saying is I need the, I need the uncut tape. <laughs> the uncut his tapes. whole approach. His whole creepy approach out of the darkness from behind Kate is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I would say this. My room that I had set up, for anyone who went through, I was the, the pumpkin head skele- uh, scarecrow man. My booth was definitely the least scary, and I realized that very early on. That's good that you set the table, you know what I mean? Set the table, yeah. and that's fine. A little appetizer. But I, I have to admit, I was a little bit jealous because I could hear all the other stuff going on, and everyone else is doing stuff that's got, like, like you know, Zach's out there dressed like Pennywise. He's doing, like, hey, yeah, Georgie, yeah, doing the whole it yeah, thing. Yeah. And, like, Ferris, our buddy Ferris, who was doing an electric chair that he built mm-hmm. had this whole bit where like, he's got a switch in his hand. He's like, oh no, please. Ah, he's getting electrocuted. It's like really intense. Yeah, yeah. And I am a scarecrow. So it's like, <laughs> ah. I, I don't, look, I, at cool look, look at my cool man. Look at my cool man. Like it's cool. uh Do you think, do you think the problem was you got the mask too early? <laughs> yeah, I think so. You got the mask too early. You're like, no, no, I'm set. I got the I got mask. the mask. I, I pitched the, the whole idea. I need to kick it in. My room was very atmospheric, but it was not. No, it's. It's, that's a good yeah. way to start, though. It's good yeah. to yeah, set the table. Yeah. You don't want your biggest scares up front. You know what I mean? It's true. Yep. Sort of like the MC of the whole thing. Now, I heard rumors, because I did, obviously I had the Halloween show. I didn't get yeah. to make it to the haunted house. Mm. I was really bummed, because it looked cool in the days we were down there setting up. I heard rumors of a baby butcher running wild. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I yeah. heard rumors uh, of a small, small child who was just eating remains right. and butchering folks. It's, it's one of those weird things. When KTV came to do their walkthrough at, like, 8.30, right before we were about to close... Uh, talk about an event that we were only putting on that night so no one could really come to ever again after they saw the video. And on the ad business and the news business, <laughs> anybody who's salty doesn't get it. Um, it, I, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Like, there's a lot of stuff they couldn't put on camera because it was a little gruesome. Yes, right? yes. There were certain... Certain stuff when you get in a haunted house, you get like blood and guts yeah. and like different yeah. gore and like Spe- stuff that's thematically very heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically, our friends' kids doing stuff that seemed a little creepy. Yeah. This was, again, this was a quote-unquote scary haunted house, right? Mm-hmm. Besides my room. There are <laughs> kids in there because my son would never... Never sad. No, I'll give you. I'll tell you what. I'll give your son credit. You walked your son early on through the day through the event, and he, he was totally chill with it. He talked to yeah. everybody. I he love did. It. He talked to everybody. I love it. He's getting out. better. I did. It's, honestly, it's the repeat exposure because yeah. he gets to remember these yeah. faces, yeah. And these people, and yeah. these goons. I did have to. When the kids came in, I did have to put the pumpkin mask on and then take it off and be like, look, it's me, right? Like, just I was so like, see, it's it, just, yeah. it's not real. And once I did that. Especially Damien being like, yeah, we know, you're dumb. Yeah, Damien's like, yeah, I got it. I got it. Um, so we had a great time on a handshake. I hope we get to do it again. But the point I was getting at is we couldn't get good video of it. Yeah. Even on your cell phone, like us going through trying to capture it, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I wonder if really like, well, no one will ever get the experience of that again. It was there and that was it. That's the point. Mm -hmm. Like that's why you do, I think that's something with all like horror realm and haunted house stuff. The purpose is the experience, yeah. and you're never going to get a video that's going to. Ca- I've never seen a video of a haunted house where no. you can get the atmosphere. Yeah, it's that's the whole point of it. Is this is the experience? You either mm-hmm. be here this night or you just miss it. I think you know, depending how things turn out going forward, the park is in the same location next year. Let us keep the park. So. Yeah, uh, I'd like to do it again because I think we learned a lot of stuff halfway through. That we you know we finished this right like at. 5.40. Like, we yeah. were yeah, yeah. ready to go yeah. right as people were starting to show up. So we didn't get a chance to do a lot of walkthrough the mm-hmm. way we wanted to. Mm-hmm. We tried to do guides initially, like yeah. 
And that turned out to be a mistake. Yeah, I was the first yeah. one, the first ones with a guide. It, yeah, it makes it, sense. You don't really need one. People, no. you know. I think the idea was that we were trying to set up the scares in order, and if people were just walking through at willy-nilly, you know yeah. Would, yeah. Uh, yeah but, that makes sense. But after a while, it would just like send a minute intervals, and we'll figure it out. But so. with the good of the haunted house, I got the bad, had to cancel barks and booze, was yeah. a bummer. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, that being said, we are doing something on October 31st. Great segue, Kevin. I appreciate that. I got you. Uh, we're doing that Cans for Candy event on October 31st. So, from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Halloween on October 31st, come down to Handshake City to the warehouse. You can bring cans and donate cans, and we will uh, give you a Halloween trick-or-treat starter bag full of candy mm-hmm. and sort of supplies to bring out start your trick-or-treating experience. Uh, all the benefits from this are going to the Utica Hurricanes Little League baseball team, the under-11s team, to support their tournament coming up, uh, including GFOP uh, Joe Marino's son and uh, our fr- uh, Katie from Maine Utica's nephew. So supporting those lads, nice. getting their baseball tournament And in. if you went through the names, probably because we're getting to that age, probably lots of kids we know are mm-hmm. like tangentially like, oh, that's so-and-so's kid or this person. Uh, I did have a couple other things to talk about that weren't Halloween. I'm going to push those back. Let's talk about Halloween for just one second. It is I love it. Halloween Day. Uh, no, Halloween, it'll, Halloween week, Halloween buildup. Halloween is. <laughs> I have heard that it's gonna rain on Halloween night. No, Probably. Yeah, Last probably. year was the perfect Halloween. Probably. What is Kaz? You said Kaz is being a cow. He wants to be a cow. <laughs> His friends are all like Avengers. Yeah. Things. Like, like, what do you want to be? He's like a cow, and he told us what we have to dress up as. Too. Well, oh, oh, so you, you are have dressing. Up. I have, have to. to. How do I break his heart? Maybe a farmer. He says, no, he says I have to be a witch, and Zach has to be a fox. <laughs> <laughs> Like, That's pretty I, good. But I have to be a colorful witch, and like I'm doing what he what wants. Do you mean colorful. He witch? wants me not to wear a black hat. He wants me to wear like a color, like a purple. So like hat. Glinda, like yeah, he the, wants me to be a nice witch. Like the good witch. He doesn't want me to be a mean witch. That bitch, you would be a good witch. So I might I'm use be, a good witch. That's I'm fair. Be a good witch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so how do we say no? You can't say no to him. No, it's fine. I'm gonna do it. Have you guys had the? Sounds like you have to dress up as Optimus Prime, Mom. Anything like that. Other than a fully functional costume with lights, won't do. That's like, shut up, kid. (laughs) I have a list in front of me, uh, and this is from Gizmodo. So if you want to go to their website and look at what I'm looking at, they came with a list of some of the worst costumes of the year. But before I get into this, I just want to share something with you, Kev. We ran into each other a couple nights ago by accident when we were up at Walmart. For different reasons. Saw the whole gang out yeah, there. Yeah, saw the whole yeah, gang yeah. out there. But right before we saw... You guys you, weren't the only ones I saw. I saw more of the gang. Yeah, a lot of the gang yeah, was yeah. out. Uh, we Before that, we had gone to Spirit Halloween up the up the road. To the yeah, yeah. seasonal Halloween store, which every yes. town in America has that pops up out of nowhere. And just it's run by emo kids for two weeks, and then they're gone. It's vanished into the into the abyss. Spirit's crazy. I got some inside information on that, actually. It's really? Pretty, it's pretty wild business, the way, they, the way they set up and what they do, yeah. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Anyhow... I went through, and we were just going there to get props for the, the haunted house. I saw some cool stuff. It was all crazy overpriced. Like, you could just get, there's a smoking door for $300. I'm like, that seems right. like a lot. But I did take a walk through the adult costumes section to see, just, just want to see what was out there. What are the big costumes of the year? Sure. There is a shocking amount of video game costumes all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, it's huge. Like, mm-hmm. there was a ton of Fortnite costumes and that. Halo costumes. That's what the kids are into. These are in the adult section. Well. I guess adult kids are adults, right? Yeah. And, like, when you say <laughs> adult yeah. size, adult. if some kid is 14, yeah, you know true. what I mean? I mean, I saw a Fallout Halloween costume there. I wasn't like, I need to go buy this. I don't know. I don't know. I yeah. guess I like traditional style Halloween costumes. I like something a little spooky a full, or a little the, pro- funny. the problem with the full, like, the adult costume you buy, I feel like, is nine times out of ten, the ones you see are just, like, a dumb, poorly cut jumpsuit. Yes. With, yeah. like, graphics that don't look as good on as they look on the package. Yeah, it's all loose on you. you know, yeah. The whole thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's a problem. No, those are a scam. You're better off building a costume mm-hmm. out of, like, real-life clothing elements and then, like, accessories yeah. and stuff. Um, so, 
I have some of the things that showed up on the list. I'm just going to run through a couple of them real quick for some of the worst Halloween costumes. And sure. If you guys think of any other ones, let me know. The winner that they put for the Gizmodo article was one called Nicest Neighbor, which is essentially Sexy Mr. Rogers. Which I feel like... What? Sexy Mr. Rogers. Sexy Mr. Rogers. Yeah, look, there's the picture of it that no one else can see. I mean... It's pretty horrifying. I'm not shocked about She's that. She's doing fine. It's a girl. I get that, but like, <laughs> it's. Who I'm not that? shocked about that. No, well, would anybody know that if you saw I that? I would think it. that's like sexy librarian. Um, that's what it looks like. Uh, Harry Potter, maybe. Harry Potter. Never seen Harry Potter. I was gonna say I don't know. Uh, this isn't on the list, but now that we're talking about it, I've noticed it on Facebook feeds and on Twitter feeds. We can we all join hands together and say no more office or parks and rec themed halloween costumes i saw 15 ron swansons and like 100 dwight and angela's this year i didn't see any, I didn't see any. Uh, so I'm I didn't not see in any. real life saw, but t- in like the internet world i'll tell you i had real life was wild because when we played that show there were probably 300 people at the celtic heart but mm-hmm. i saw a lot of different variety of the good and the bad the middle and the stars so i feel like i'm in the thick of it mm. uh some of the other ones people said were hating on were topical costumes like there's a uh a impossible burger costume mm. or a sold out chicken sandwich costume but they're all again like sexy bikinis that look I saw like a real yeah. life person in a harambe it. costume oh my god is harambe still a thing is no that... no that's <laughs> no. not a thing anymore it's like this guy's just in a gorilla suit with the name tags and harambe and i was like come on man um star wars you see a lot of star wars i feel like again star wars is coming back around I see now. star wars i saw a lot of avengers yeah I saw a lot of avengers i don't have as much of a problem with that because it feels like that's like what little kids dress as Right sure. Now. Right. Like that seems like if I see an adult wearing a full Tony Stark costume, <laughs> that's I what talk I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was, yeah. This is an adult endeavor. Um, the other thing they seem to be really hating on any sort of sexy version of anything. Sexy Freddy Krueger. Sexy Beetlejuice. Sexy Alien. Uh, yeah, sexy's out. Yeah, sexy Stormtrooper. Um, I, mean, I have nothing wrong with people dressing sexy. I just wish that people would be more imagined, like use their That's what it is. Yeah, bit. yeah. Like, like it's it'd be fun. Like. It's okay I mean, if you want to, like, get into it like that. Yeah, but give it, like, some thought instead yeah. of just being like, oh, well, this is underwear, so and it's this color's on this thing. And, it's like, and oh. I've made my own, like, costumes yeah, yeah. before that were, you know, that I wouldn't wear now. I'm not. We saw, I saw two people this weekend who were pinky in the brain, and oh, they that's had pretty good. made their own yeah. heads. And the heads were made out of, like, cardboard, cardboard and they were mm-hmm. perfect. It was that's unbelievable. Awesome. Like, these people really were in the lab. We used uh, to make ours every day. Ken and Ryu was on here for mm. Lenovo from Street Fighter. However, there was a caveat they said for for Ken and Ryu. If you do this as a couple's costume and you have a like your girlfriend yeah, yeah, go yeah, as yeah. Ken or Ryu, that's pretty good. That's, that's not bad. That's not you bad. know what I saw? I saw um, a couple's costume this weekend. They went, the girl was dressed up in a really cute Curious George costume. Mm-hmm. And the boyfriend was the man in the yellow hat. He's awesome. The man in yellow. And they looked great. I you could tell that. they had made them themselves. I and they were that. really happy to be there. and. That's all I really had for costume talk. Although the other one they mentioned was like sexy Disney costumes, which just feels wrong. That's like wrong. sexy Buzz Lightyear, Weird. sexy, sexy. Yeah, movie. they're just putting everything they can. <laughs> I I feel like the I. It's weird. Maybe I don't go to enough Halloween parties. But I don't see like any real human beings in like sexy Halloween costumes. Maybe not since I've oh, lived yeah. in New York, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, no, no, they're out there. They're out there. They're, yeah, yeah they were packed. They were packed in down there. They're out in like the bars and the places, <laughs> places that we stay away from unless we're being paid to be there. Um, I I had some serious stuff, but we can just 
kick that back to the next section. You guys, you guys want to talk about anything else Halloween related before we head out? Kev, you said you had some movies you wanted to talk uh, about. I, I mean, theoretically, if we were doing it. Like I've been thinking. Have a lot you about seen it. any new horror movies this year that you feel like people can get on? Because you're you're my horror movie guy. I usually That's go true. to you. That's true. Um, I am one hundred percent. Did you see dude. Midsummer? Some Midsummer. I haven't seen it. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for it to hit streaming services so I can mm. find it somewhere. I'm not gonna pay for the rental on it. Um. No, my only other thing for Halloween is shout out to guys who will probably never hear this podcast. We were playing the song Under Pressure. Yep. Queen and David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. Out of nowhere, these two bros who were there dressed as Freddie Mercury and David Bowie come tearing up. We didn't even know they were in the building. And they came up <laughs> and danced and lip synced while we did Under Pressure. That's I told awesome. those guys, like, you guys made the night. So shout out to those two guys. Shout out. I love it. And uh, and shout out to this week's guest, Joe Marino. Again, we are one week away from the... Always makes time for the podcast. Always makes time. I mean, again, he's been on the show... Uh, oh, oh, we got cops flying by. Uh, again, he's been on the show seven times. This is his seventh time on the show. I told him at the end of the interview, no matter what happens, we'd love to have him back on to talk about how things turn out. Great conversation. We went about an hour. We talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about the Kelvin Center, Downtown Hospital. We talked about uh, the term limits. We talked about... Uh, paving. We talked about tons of stuff. Um, so again, get out there, listen to what he had to say, uh, and make your voice heard on November 5th. Get out there, vote. It is so important. So important, especially now. All right, this week, Joe, uh, Joe Marino, we'll be back in just a moment. GFOP, pardon me, GFOP, GFOP something different. Uh, GFOP, good friend of the pod, Joe Marino, back in, I don't know if you know this, this is your seventh time on I'm the show. honored, Sam. It, it really is always a pleasure. Seven times, how did you guys make it with me on for seven times? I know how you made it, but just having me on, I'm surprised well, no one shut you down yet. It is relatively close to the last time you were on. You were on on April 21st, okay. which was 27 weeks ago, which was our 200th episode, which right. I asked you specifically to come on because you had been on for our 100th episode. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, and I just felt, you know, by the time people hear this, it's going to be a week away from the elections. Uh, I wanted to give you one more opportunity to come on the show and talk to our listeners one more time just to get where you're feeling at this particular time. Before we get into that, though, I have yeah. two Non-election-related questions I have to ask you. Number one, mm-hmm. this is also our Halloween episode. We are bringing, uh, are you ready for this Halloween coming up? If you and your kids, are you doing trick-or-treating this year? What's the... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I'm sure that your listening audience skews a little younger. Right? Sure, So, sure. I mean, now I'm, I'm 40 years old. I turned 40 this year. Yeah. So Halloween means something much different to me Certainly. this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or in, you know, the past few years <laughs> than it has in the past. Yeah. In the past, it was frozen eggs and whipped cream. Yeah, of course. Now, it's, you know pictures and mm-hmm. going to everybody's family so for us i am really ready the kids are all ready i'm getting to the point where i'm too old to know their costumes yes my son yeah. christopher is going to be this sans character i don't know if you're familiar with this game fortnite no it's not it's I, uh 
Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I forget what it's called, but I don't even know my kids' characters' names anymore. So, yeah, we're really ready. The kids are excited. I steal all their candy, <laughs> and I'm, uh, I'm prepared for that. It's funny you say that. I went into... It was like the spirit Halloween up in North Utica. Mm-hmm. A couple days ago, getting ready for the haunted house, and uh, I walked through just the adult costumes, looking at stuff, just just because I was curious. I was like, what's out there? A lot of video game stuff in a way yeah. that I had not expected. I I still kind of play video games. We talked a bit about this on the podcast earlier this week about there's this study coming out talking about whether there is actually an age that you're too old to be good at video games because Boy, you're not. Well, it's because your motor reflex, your your your, oh. your fast twitch reflex. Oh, there's a physiological. It's, it's actual oh, yikes! I mean, uh, but yeah, I can tell I'm going to get a hundred kids wearing like Fortnite costumes yeah. or something to my house. Yeah. And the other thing that I want to get out of the way before we get into politics stuff, um, can we talk briefly about the New York Yankees? And we're big Yankee fans. I mean, I if was, we have to, Sam. Whatever. Well, just because whatever. I had said on the podcast like an egomaniac months ago that if the Yankees don't win the World Series, I'm going to be disappointed because this team is great. Yeah. And, you know, what happened with Domingo Herman happened and yeah. the, you know, it seemed like the the hitting sort of struggled in that against that Astros team. How did you feel at the end? Are you upset with the way the Yankees went out or do you feel pretty happy about I overall? Mean, I'm a I'm a Yankee fan, right? And yeah. we've been spoiled. We have been spoiled. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, after um LeMayu hit that home run in yep, game, game six yeah, yeah, of yes. uh, you know the ALCS, mm-hmm. and he tied it up. Which you know, essentially, I have to explain to my wife. It's like the bottom of the ninth, you know. Yeah. And, you know, it was the top of the ninth. He hits the home run. He ties it up. I knew that that wasn't enough. Nope. The thing I think about this Yankee team that bothered me the most, the thing that energized me the most, was like the next man up thing that they yeah. carried all year. You know, it doesn't matter who it is. No one knew who LeMayu was. Mm-hmm. No one knew who you know half the team was. And now all of a sudden, they're collectively great. I love that. But they relied so heavily on the home run, as they always do, um, and they did it in that series. And good pitching beats good hitting every time. And when you got Garrett Cole, Verlander, and uh, you know Zach Greinke, those guys are tough to beat. And I think that Boone did a tremendous job. Yeah, I think he was one of the best. No credit. I think he should win Manager <laughs> of the Year. No I don't care that they didn't. Yeah, I think he did such a good job, kind of traversing those mm-hmm. waters. I think that. Um, I, but I do think that you just rely on a home run. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at, like, I can point to about six situations in the ALCS. Even in the games that they won big, throw a bunt down every once in a while. Make people, uh, keep them honest. You know, when they're pulling shifts over and, you know, you just got the left side open and there's a guy that's you know, should hit to, you know, second base and they got everybody over there. I don't like when managers do that. I coach my kids, and now granted, my kids aren't, you know, the Yankees in terms of power. Sure. But relatively speaking, though, I've got a bunch of kids that can hit home runs. So those kids hit, you know, 212-foot home runs, and the Yankees hit 412-foot home runs. But relatively speaking, but I will tell my kids all the time, I don't care who you think you are. If the situation calls for you to bunt or sacrifice a guy over, sorry to tell you, your contract extends to bunting. I'll yeah. leave it. I'll leave it at this with the Yankees because it's something that I have found frustrating for years. It feels like the Yankees have been missing that one pitching. Piece. Yeah, yeah, every yeah. year they go out and they get hitters who are good, and they mm-hmm. get more guys, and they juice up the offense. They get these young players. I, I just want to see them. I, I hate to say it because it's so against everything they've been doing for the last few years. I want to see them go back to like 
early 2000s and just spend a ton of money on one guy. Randy be, Johnson, yeah, Roger not, Clemens. Maybe not Randy Johnson. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like, go get Garrett Cole. Like, spend the money. Just, I hope they do this do year. It, right? Yeah. Because that seems to be all they're missing. And I can't deal with all the Red Sox fans around me who are giving me this, we've been more successful in this decade than you have speech. I'm oh, really I hear that tired of it. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Uh, Listen, I told you, I coach baseball. I got a bunch of Dominicans around me all the oh, time yeah. Oh, yeah. who love the Red Sox because of Big Poppy. And that's all I got is Red <laughs> Sox heads around me. I did see Big Poppy um, doing uh, the calls on the studio show. Yeah. Before, and it went from the studio show into professional wrestling. And Big Poppy called out a professional wrestler while wearing a belt afterwards. And I was like, that guy's pretty charming. I get why, I get why people oh, like no, this no, guy. No, no, no. I, like, see, <laughs> I, I always have respect for individual oh, players. Yeah. Dustin Pedroia is one of the greatest guys around. Love yesterday. that guy. Yeah. Big Poppy, I really like. I did not like Manny Ramirez. I mean, <laughs> showboat guy, you know. Would you have liked him on the Yankees? Because I had, really would. I, I you know, my, so I got this before. friend Oscar Martinez. He says the same thing. Yeah, you'd like him if he was wearing I've pinstripes. Had this debate, yeah. But, you know, honestly, I just, you know. I like guys that are humble, that are good, you know. Begrudgingly. Altuve. That's why I don't like Correa. Carlos Correa. Yeah. I mean, come on. You're ripping your shirt off. I mean, you know, take it easy, bud. You know. I, but he won. He earned it. Get, you know, I get it. But, um, yeah, I like uh, I like humble guys. We talked a little bit about next man up as a Yankee concept. It is time to talk about election stuff. Yeah. We are, um, I guess, we're exactly a week out. From a week election. and a day. By the time, well, by the time people hear this, it'll be uh, a week from... I asked this to, to Mike Hennessy when he was on last week, just sort of generally, this close to the election. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling personally? Are you stressed? Are you excited? Are you tired? Is there, like, what's the general sort of feeling a week away from something like this? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of stress. I mean, you know, um, it, it's a lot that goes on with your family life. You want to make sure mm-hmm. that you kind of balance everything. Uh, I've got four kids, as we know, and uh, I've got a 40-hour-a-week job. Uh, there's that, and right now, I mean... F- uh, to be honest with you, without thinking of a, like a political answer, mm-hmm. I'm concerned that I'm not going to get enough people out to vote. I, I genuinely believe mm, if the turnout is high, mm-hmm. enough people want change and want to see Uticans be put first again and not some investor that just flies in and flies out for a tax break. I genuinely believe people deserve the service. So I just want to make sure that I do my job mm. so I can help support some people. I'm not trying to fly in with a cape on. I just believe that... Um, that's my nerves. My nerves is mm-hmm. to not do my job to get people out well, to vote. I think that there's a valid belief in that based on some of the research that I've been frustrated with. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to the primary for just one second. Go ahead. Because I have a... Uh, there was a 255 vote difference at the end, I, I believe. I think that number might be skewed here or there, but it's, yeah. it was relatively close between... A couple you, hundred votes. Yeah, a couple hundred votes between you and Paul Mary. Mm-hmm. Now, my I had two thoughts on this. Go ahead. Initially... My thought was that must be disappointing for you to get this close with 255 votes and what felt like not as many people came out to vote in the primaries as could have. But also, does it feel like because you were so close in that low turnout, does that give you hope coming forward? Do you feel more like positive about the number? It's kind of a weird double-edged sword, I'm no, sure. No, yeah, no, it's yeah. right in both regards. Yeah. So um, during the primary, just numerically, 81% of the people did not come and vote, right? 19% turnout. Terrible. Um, on the night of election, we were down by 105 votes. Mm-hmm. The uh, I question actually the uh, amount of votes he got from absenteeism. That was uh, yes, as a guy who yeah. sent in an absentee ballot, I yeah. also question. Yeah, it seems that, like a big flip. It's but, a huge number, yeah. and you know we'll be looking into that further actually because I'm not mm-hmm. really satisfied with uh, sure. Um, but with that being said, take the absentees out. 
you got me by 2%, mm -hmm. right? So that's the number. So, yeah, there is one school of thought that says, well, geez, I mean, you know, you like, like if you're, you're a baseball guy, right? Yeah. So, you know, you'd rather lose 22 to 1 than, uh, you know, 2 to 1 in a barn the burner, yeah. you know, because it's disappointing. Um, I was disappointed. Naturally, no one likes to lose. I've never lost an election certainly. before. I've yeah. certainly lost things before. Uh, it was a good learning lesson for me. It was a good thing that we talked to my children about as to perseverance and going forward. You know, the, my kids would ask, are you going to keep going? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people relying on me and a lot of people like we talked about today, the fire department. Um, there's a lot of trade unions uh, that have endorsed me mm -hmm. that I'd like to make sure that we keep going for. And yeah, you know, again, not to overuse baseball analogies, but for me, we're down by two in the bottom of the ninth. I don't need a grand slam to win this thing. I need a couple of base hits. These guys on bases. Yeah, yeah so... Um, that's what we're we're dealing with, and I think again, you know, when we, when we left the the race, it was I run into people at Price Chopper. Hey, you know, did you vote? Well, no, it didn't matter because you're both on the ticket. You know, I mean, a lot of people in the new election day. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of hard work that goes behind my help. Sure. You know, the make your own luck. I don't find that if yeah. I win, it's not because of yeah. luck. It's because myself yeah. and a lot of great people in this community rallied around it. There's a there's a great quote someone I forget who says, "Luck is nothing but a combination of timing and hard work. Yeah. Like being prepared and then giving hard work and matching up to whatever timing shows up." Yeah. And the other thing, and this is sort of last we're talking about, was it two weeks ago? You guys had that community forum. Mm -hmm. And the number of candidates exceeded the number of people at the forum. It was last week. Yeah, mm -hmm. which is also concerning two weeks before an election. Do you feel—I know that Kevin and I have talked about this in private. It feels like what's concerning to us as guys who vote in pretty much every election that I'm yeah. allowed to vote in, it feels like people are not talking enough about these elections. And I don't know if that's just a feeling that I'm getting in the public— yeah. Or, you know, I see tons of signs, tons of signs everywhere. Signs are, people love signs. <laughs> but I, I feel like there's not enough general discussion in the media, whether it's local media or, you know, even on our end, about this election in general. Do you feel like that's, people aren't enough talking about this enough? Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, media has a responsibility to cover these things, mm -hmm. and they have a responsibility because, again, look, People are busy in their lives. They're not going to go searching out as much as they could. I mean, you get social media and you get, you know, attention by way of going out and speaking to the public, knocking on doors, things like that. But the media has a responsibility to make people informed. And I've asked Mr. Paul Mary on several occasions, again today, in the media, um, to debate me. Because if you're better at doing this job than I am, you should be proud of that. You should tell people. And whether you like Mike Hennessy or like Tony Piceni, I give them both a lot of credit for stepping up and debating issues yeah. because that's what this uh, this is about. So now that thing that leads us to the community forum, I don't know how well organized it was. Yeah. Um, so I don't know necessarily that I could blame media, I can blame you sure. know, the public. Uh, there was, it, I mean, unless you're friends with a certain person on Facebook, literally, yeah. you don't know about that one, right? So I, mean, I learned about that one while I was in class that night. Sure. Like, oh, this is going on. As I speak. Right, because yeah. we had one yeah. in South Utica yeah. a, a couple weeks prior yeah. to that, and then there was about 80 to 100 mm -hmm. people, which I believe um, one of the, the fine young members of Made in Utica yeah, attended. Kevin, uh, Justin and Kate, I believe, were live tweeting. Right, I seen yeah. Katie there. I didn't, yeah. I didn't end, end up running into Justin, but, it, um, but that's, and she got people involved, and I seen a lot of interaction on her Twitter, but there was about 100 people there, so that was a good turnout for one neighborhood. Um, so, yeah, so we need more people involved. This election is one of the most important elections in the city's history, I believe. Well, you've talked – it's actually a good point because you've said, even recently in the paper, you said it feels like the only thing people want to focus on right now is downtown. Yeah. 
and that's something that seems to bother you. It doesn't bother me <laughs> like that. Yeah, right, right. <clears throat> but you're right. Um, but just to clarify, mm. what bothers me is not the folk because psychologically, everyone, I don't care what the scenario, they sure. want to see the good, right? Exactly. Human beings want to see good. If you want to see bad, that's abnormal to to the greater masses, right? People want to see the good. My point is, I am ecstatic that downtown is being revitalized. There's been a lot of state and, and federal investment mm-hmm. in downtown, a lot of private investment that is had against state help. Mm-hmm. My my concern is that when we are involved as a city, or as Mr. Palmieri is involved, he gives things away. Mm-hmm. So let's take advantage of some of the good that's happening downtown, and let's get maybe another snowplow or maybe two more police officers or maybe a couple more firefighters so we can actually get the services that we pay for because the people that are down there are not. I mean, the prime example is that uh, the former Rite Aid building. It's sold and it's uh, the uh, the city hall because the, the person that owns it is Mr. Palmieri's campaign manager. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take a lot of dots to connect, sure. you know, that scenario. So Mr. Palmieri's campaign manager owns the building. She got a free roof to sustain the building and then bought the building after the roof was repaired for $10,000. Mm. Mm. Fine. You're going to rehab the building. Mm. We need to make it a little bit more palatable to buy the building. Sure. Understood. Now, though, that we've done all that, don't put a Jimmy John's in and compete with Mellow's subs. Down the road, yeah. Okay? <laughs> yeah. That's not nice of exactly. you to do, so I can't support that. Yeah. You could do it. If you're a private investor, you could do whatever you want. Exactly. Right. But if you're you're getting city resources, like not paying your taxes, you don't have to. She pays $2,700 a year for city taxes. Mm-hmm. That's not fair. I live in a modest house. I pay $2,200 in city taxes. You can fit 10 of my houses into that one building. Yeah. So... If you're going to do something with city resources, we're going to have to make you at least comparable to the rest of the community so it then in turn helps the community. So I'm not mad at the downtown development. Sure. I'm upset that the mayor keeps And I'm not even mad at the woman who bought the building. Yeah. God bless you for taking advantage of some guy who <laughs> yeah, exactly. can't make a deal with you. That's mm-hmm. great. I just won't allow that. I think that the city is worth more than $10,000 and $2,700 a year in taxes. And I'll negotiate for better deals for that. So... I love what's going on downtown, but the state did most of it, and what we did do, we gave away. Yeah, that's my problem. Um, I want to get into some specific issue stuff that we talked about a little bit last week with Mike, and I want to talk to you about here today. But sure, uh, I think that I sort of have to broach this question. We talked a little bit about it beforehand, uh, just because he's been on the show many times, you've been on the show many times, and for years there's been this sort of connection between you two guys. And uh, in the primaries, uh, Congressman Tony Grandissi. Uh, he he endorsed you in the primary mm-hmm. against uh, against Mayor Palmieri. Yep. During this race, uh, recently, he came out in support of Palmieri. Now, I know from my personal connections, my Twitter feed, the people who follow the show, mm-hmm. this raised a lot of questions. And people were concerned. Mm-hmm. And people were... Some people were upset uh, knowing what they knew about everything. I bet. And I try my best to think about things from a... From a business, like you guys are friends, but there's also your job and there's also your work. So, I just have to ask: Were you surprised or upset, or did you sort of expect the the way things turned out? I guess I don't know how to phrase that. Sure, no, that's okay. It's a fair question. Yeah. Um, I was very surprised, mm-hmm. uh, but my only response is this: I can I can only handle myself and how yeah. I behave in public and what I do in my personal and mm-hmm. public life, both of them, and I can't answer for anyone else. But I will say, 
politicians endorsing other politicians doesn't impress me. Sure. What does, though, impress me is the will of the people on election day. So my endorsements come from the working class. They don't come from, you know, some senator in Wyoming or, you know, mm-hmm. those things. My my slogan is it's time we put Uticans first. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that people that are not involved in Utica politics know that it's not as as nasty of a business as some might think, which again turns into low voter turnout. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was surprised, but uh, but you know that is uh, that's something that we'll have to overcome mm-hmm. beyond politics. Sure. And um, and I will keep moving forward. Look, I've got 80 years of the Democratic Party that came against me in mm-hmm. the beginning of the race, so I'm a little bit of the you know sure. the underdog here yeah. in terms of uh, Utica politics. Mm-hmm. Mr. Palmieri's been a politician for his entire life. Mm-hmm. I think he sold rugs prior to that. Yeah. Uh, for a couple Basketball years. Coach, briefly. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's been involved in this business a long, long time. I am honored mm-hmm. that I have not been. Yeah. I don't plan on being beyond uh, this particular race. I never wanted to run for assembly. I don't have aspirations to go further. I want to help some people in the city. So yeah. uh, I hope to do that. And even beyond all that, you know, 80 years, all these people, fancy, you know, commercials, fancy elite donors downtown, mm-hmm. you beat me by 2%. Yeah. Now the rest of the city gets a chance to come out, and uh, I like my chances. Now, i got to ask you uh the three terms thing has been a problem. Him running for the third term has been an issue. I know, again, same kind of people who follow my show, who are on the pod. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about it a lot. Sure. And yet, in the general scheme of things, I don't see as many people angry about the three terms thing as I particularly was. Yeah. Do you feel like it's not as big a deal as it should be, or is it not being brought up as much as it should? Because it, it seems like it's brought up, but no one seems to sort of shrug their shoulders at it for whatever reason. So that's the public perception, right? Yeah. So when I talk to people, it's the most important thing beyond, you know, mm. their quality of life. Yeah. When you talk about quality of life, it's roads, their taxes, mm-hmm. public safety, though, and the school yeah. district. Those things are prevalent. The governmental end of things, how my government serves me, yeah. it's the most important thing. But again, when you throw out 81% of a whole electorate, it seems like, well, it's maybe not that big of a deal because, mm-hmm. you know, 1,400 people chose him or 1,450 chose him and 1,200 chose me. A couple hundred people here and there. Yeah. So again, that's what we have to do as politicians. We have to get people to vote. But people like Mr. Palmieri are not interested in young people coming out to vote and, you know, mm-hmm. a new breed of people coming out to vote. Yeah. They want that same voter every time. Yeah. But again, you know, I, I've said this over and over again. If you support, and then this is anybody, if you mm-hmm. can go out and vote for somebody or support somebody that is a Democrat, you know, by title, mm-hmm. and they're literally stripping away the Democratic process, then I kind of start uh, right away second-guessing your judgment. Yeah, You know, not not as a voter. I mean, some people are just complicit and they think, well, it's going okay, let's keep it going, and like his slogan says. But he's the only one that kind of keeps benefiting yeah. from the keep it going. His donors keep donating. You know, his uh, pension keeps going up. I mean, Two more years. He's running for <laughs> office simply to gain pension. Yeah. Um, and he's like a kamikaze. You know, I mean, and this is the truth. He Well, it's my opinion is the truth. Sure. It's to what I know. I mean, I've looked up most of these things mm-hmm. are facts. But, um, you know, he's got nothing to lose. Exactly. He's got zero to lose. If he runs, he lies to people. He promises people jobs. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, if you don't do this, we'll not support you in your next election and blah, blah, blah. He's got nothing to lose because if he does lose, he goes away and it's, his life is exactly the same as it was. And if he 
if he wins, it's gravy because he gets his two years on his pension. He'll give himself a raise. I'll guarantee you mm. he's going to give himself a raise. Um, and then he gets his third term. So if you could support the Democratic process yeah. and support him, you're automatically not supporting the process. You had always been, uh, ever since we've got on here, you've been pretty uh, down the line in terms of like you know whether or not I'm running on opposite sides of them. We're supposed to work together and we work in the city. Do you feel like the the actual relationship between you and him has gotten worse since you've decided to run? Like, do you guys even have any sort of like connection anymore at all when you go to the office, go to city hall or anything? Yeah, it's a that's a, f- a fair question yeah. too. I mean, you know, um, yeah, no. Look, I, Mr. Palmieri has been running against me for eight years. Yeah, I, I you know I voted in line with the the city. In, with, including him mm-hmm. on 85, 90% of the issues. There's a few issues that have been a little public and that I, I've disagreed with him on. Mm-hmm. But again, that's my job. I don't work for a mayor mm-hmm. as a council person. No council person works for the mayor. There's checks and balances. So this is the way that I govern. Um, so he has constantly been threatened by me. Mm-hmm. Constantly. But I have not been by him. And that's evident by the fact that things that I've done, I've invited him to the press yeah. conferences on record. I, you know, I told him during the paving referendum, why don't you come and stand with us yeah. and help us make it succeed instead of vetoing it and make it fail, which is what's happening now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been fearful of that for three years, making roads fail. So, uh, no, I don't have a problem. I don't know him well enough to dislike him. Yeah. He's not, you know, but he seems to have a, a problem with me. Mm-hmm. But if he called me tomorrow and said, I have an issue in the fourth ward, I'd like to work on it with you, I, I'd pick up the phone. But no, we don't, we don't talk very much because just he's not interested. Uh, I think this quote was from, is correct, can you please tell me if I'm wrong, this is from last week's OD talking about the thing, since we're talking about paving a little bit, mm-hmm. you'd said that you question why the city road paving isn't complete as it's starting to get cool, and mm-hmm. sort of question about whether or not we're holding contractors accountable. Are we behind schedule in terms of the paving, in terms of road work? We were four months behind schedule. Four months behind schedule. Four months behind schedule. Um, we put out a contract in April, March, April, mm-hmm. and we actually... And I said this a few years ago. I had a very big problem with them paving the Boilermaker route yeah. in July a I remember few that. years ago. Yes. I mean, that's that's a terrible way to administer your services mm-hmm. when you have the biggest 15K road race in the country. So I set a, a standard for having the paving done before July. Only this time, it's an election year. Mm-hmm. So if you notice, he started the roads in June, right before the primary, to look at how great everything is going and... You know, all the all the orange cones that were up for months and months. As soon as the election was over, work stopped. Mm-hmm. And then it picked up again about two weeks ago. That is an election year trick that's been used for decades. Only people have lost tires since mm-hmm. in the months that have happened. Yeah. In North Utica, uh, you know, I know two people that have lost tires. One on Van Rowan, one on uh, um, Cedarbrook Crescent. Uh, literally lost a whole tire off of their car. Yeah. One guy popped a tire, one guy lost a tire. So while you're playing politics and telling everyone how great everything is, trying to get reelected, people are suffering. I mean, and I don't mean suffering by way of famine. Sure. You know, I, I mean, but we do have, you know, we do have problems that we can help. Yeah. Uh, but people are going through the worst of it. So you can tell people, but, you know, the complacency of voters sometimes is. Right now, you'll drive up and down Higby Road. Higby Road's done. Yeah. It wasn't done two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That is, that's terrible. But now maybe they'll forget in about a week and a half, and you know, uh, or one week from today, yeah. uh, from a, on election day, and they'll go. Well, the roads are really nice. Yeah. You know, they are really, really nice looking. Meanwhile, though, if I were your mayor, I would have had them done before July. Mm. I wouldn't have concerned myself with uh, with politics. I would have just delivered the services and delivered it in a way that we. Because even now, 
they're going to look good. We put them down on too cold a temperature. Mm-hmm. That you yeah. know, if we put them in the summer, we would have full adhesion. Yeah. You know, you can't put roads down when it's 40, 50 degrees outside. You just can't. Mm-hmm. And we did. So it's going to look great. But if I'm mayor, I'm going to be dealing with those problems in less than two years. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about two things here uh, that have become big sort of bullet point issues. One in South Utica and one just in general on the podcast here. Sure. For years, we've been talking about the downtown hospital. It is sort of a third rail issue, it seems like, with people in this community. And up until recently, I was like, well, why are we still talking about this? They're building the hospital. Right. Uh, and then more and more, it feels like that there weren't permits put in place to do stuff. And now there's all sorts of... I don't know what that means. So I guess maybe answer, uh, explain it like I'm five. The hospital is still coming? Yes. Yeah. I, I think. So <clears throat> the short answer yeah. is... Yes-ish. Yes-ish. Right? Interesting. So the project when we started it about four and a half years ago, yeah. we as a community, yeah. when we started discussing it, it was a $450 million project. $300 million, The numbers really were easy. Mm-hmm. $300 million coming from the state, $100 million coming from the hospital itself, mm-hmm. and $50 million coming from somewhere else. In this case, it turned out over time a partnership between the county and the city to build a garage. Sure. Okay? Now, the project is, as we sit today, $550 million mm-hmm. without a garage component attached to it. At so all. essentially, it's $600 million. How do we get from one to the other? I've asked that question over and over again. And I've said I supported the location of the downtown hospital because of the fact that it supports the people that it services best. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I think it services people of lower to moderate incomes best being there than it would at St. Luke's. Sure. I didn't pick the location, but since it's the game that I'm, I'm playing, uh, I would choose to support the Utica location. I've said it over and over mm-hmm. again. That was in the beginning. Now I have serious concerns about the finances mm-hmm. because, again, I've said this on WKTV. I'll say it here. I've said it everywhere. Yeah. I won't bankrupt the city. And I'm afraid about the finances of this program. I won't bankrupt the city for a $10 project or a $10 billion project. There is nothing that will make me jeopardize the sanctity of the citizens that live here or their tax dollars. I don't care what it is. So do I support the hospital as a project? Of course I do, with the caveat of show me the money. And they haven't. So my support is waning on the hospital. The people that have been... a lot of people feel that way. There's there's people that have, you know... um, I won't name any names, but there's there's been a vocal, uh, you know, group of people mm-hmm. that have been anti, you know, this or you know against the, w- what's going on in the hospital. Mm-hmm. They are becoming more right than I was yeah. in the beginning. So, like Abraham Lincoln said, "I'm smarter today than I was yesterday." Mm-hmm. Period. What um, I guess I, I don't even know if we can answer this question. Mm-hmm. What would happen to that location if the hospital didn't happen? Would we? Where would we go from? Anecdotally, I mean, look, the location is awful, right? So we yeah. needed to, but they've 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 spun their cogs yeah. so deep into this process that businesses have already moved out. Yeah. So That's now it's like not that, like yeah. it was six years ago, where mm-hmm. you know the Seekin building's terrible and we need to revitalize the area. Fine, I get that. Now though, it's not just the Seekin building. Now, it's... now if something happens, now we're in the mud. Mm-hmm. Right, so yeah. now if the sea, it's not just the Seekin building. Now it's the Mohawk Hospital Supply Company yeah. that was inexplicably moved. I, I'm terribly against mm-hmm. the way that the city, the county, and anyone else that had any involvement were getting rid of that company. Mm-hmm. That was awful. Yeah. 
They had a company that could have delivered goods from one side of the street to the other. They were moved to Little Falls because of lack of communication. Brian Thomas doesn't know what he's doing in terms of economic development. He's taking orders from a guy who has less experience in economic development than Rob Palmieri. So the um, uh, what, what, Holly and Tom Spellman, sure. they own the building. And I talked to them. I said, has anyone from the city come to you? Yes. What happened? Well, we were going to go to the Bleecker Street building. I know this story. We were going to move them as a city to the Bleecker Street building, the one on the corner yeah. of Culver and Bleecker. Yeah, yeah. We were going to move them there, and that would have been a win-win for everybody. So you say, like, well, you know, you and Palmieri don't get along. I voted terribly in favor of that. That was a wonderful plan. It was so good that I was like, damn, I wish I thought of that. Yeah, yeah. Chalk went up for yeah. him. I've never really seen anything in that circumstance where, you know, for people that may not know, we put a, a building that we have in East Utica that's been dilapidated for years. We were going to take that building. It, you know, it used to be a GE factory mm-hmm. across from Dairy Dell, if no one knows what I'm talking about, yep. in East Utica. We were going to take that building and move some of the buildings that were being displaced from the hospital footprint. I said, okay, I can't argue with that. Then they said, well, we'd like a $2 million grant to go to the state to fix the roof of this building so the end user can be Mohawk Hospital Supply. What a wonderful... That's where I was saying, damn, that's a good idea. Can't do anything about it. Can't knock it. Got to give them credit where credit's due. I'm on board. Turns out, though, they never really went to the Spellmans with the full plan. Right. They went to this company called the Bowers Agency, which has seven or eight other businesses. Just another, you know, the Carbone family, the Bowers Agency, the Pezzolanellas. If you're a mayor campaign donor and you're on his team, you get anything you want. But if you're Mohawk Hospital Supply... You could take a walk all the way to Little Falls because we don't give a crap about what you got yeah. going on. And that was unfair. Mm-hmm. So now the Spellmans have been displaced. And we lost 35 jobs or you know 20, 25 plus jobs because the mayor and his staff had to give a company a building. Now he sold it to them after all of this was done, sold it to them for $400,000. There's $2 million stapled to a building. Would you buy it for four hundred grand? Well, if it's going to cost you $2 million, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're getting $1.6 million yeah, for free. It's a great free. comeback, yeah. So, I mean, how do they not benefit? And now they're not even fixing the roof to retrofit the building. They're just terror, they're tearing down the whole building and doing something and building a new one with their own construction company. So these are the things that drive me nuts about this guy. You know, you're giving away a building for negative $1.6 million, no end user in sight. You're just going to... The, the company, Bowers, has a construction company. Yeah. So they're giving themselves the $2 million grant for their construction. They're paying yeah. themselves, essentially. This is the problem that this guy has. So, But, you know, what people mm-hmm. see is, well, you know, you, let's go cut the ribbon, and here's the Bowers agency, and it looks great. I, well, I think you're, you're getting on to something that I think a lot of people, especially in South Utica right now, feel about this sort of lack of transparency. I think one of the things that you've done a really nice job of, and we'll get into a question that I got sent in from a listener later sure. about this, about really getting on the ground and talking to people. I know that specifically about this Kelberman Center building in mm-hmm. South Utica and the the building the stories onto it and all that stuff, a lot of people feel like they weren't adequately spoken to about this. And you can drive yeah. through that part of South Utica right now, and I would say 75 to 80% of the people have signs against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, do, you people, know, do people have a reason to feel like their voice wasn't heard, or or what? Uh, you, you see, again, 
This is my job to make sure yeah. that people believe. I know it's not I your district. I know you're. Uh, it's not, no, yeah. no, no, no. I don't mean that. Yeah. I mean, you know, globally. Let, we'll get into the Kelvin yeah. in a second. But let me lead into the yeah, Kelvin sure, discussion. So I represent East Utica. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that there was a massive public display of nonsense over a Stewart's. Yes. Right? The Stewart's gas station. Mm-hmm. And the reason was because, again, Rob Palmer has been running against me for eight years. So instead of actually caring for the neighborhood, he just said, Stewart's comes in and says, we'd like to, the mayor says yes. They say, well, wait, don't you want to hear the rest of our story? No, no, no. What would you like to do? Doesn't matter to me. Give me scissors. Give me ribbon. Let's cut them. Mm-hmm. Let's go. I said, well, wait, Stewart, you can't do that. Right? These people, they want you here. They just don't want the extra commercialized zone. And the people there weren't against it. There was two people that were against it mm-hmm. um, from one house. And, you know, naturally the papers picked up on that because sure. Palmieri and they started going back and forth. Right. Uh, but it became a, um, you know, a real nightmare, a public nightmare because of what Palmieri was telling people. I don't like babies. I don't like kids. I don't like ice cream. I don't like gas. I don't yeah. like competition. <laughs> I'm like, geez, holy cow. I go, honey, you believe I was telling my wife. You believe all this stuff I don't like? I told Stewart's there was no communication with the neighborhood. The reason that they don't want what you're developing is because there's a house that a family lives in and they know we know that they want to sell to you but there's another family that could uh, that will buy it and so the owner wins the owner of the home is not going to not sell his house sure and you still get 44,000 square foot of land and the nice and easy down the street has 24,000 square feet and they're doing just fine so you got plenty of land Stewart said to me I'm aware I'm 100% aware we're in no matter what but your mayor keeps on telling us we can do whatever we want I go well you can't Sorry. So it became a public nightmare. And right now, even to this day, I'm the only person, I'm going to put it on social media in a couple of days just because I think it's fun. I'm the only person that Stewart's Corporation has endorsed and supported for mayor of the city of Utica. As much as people would think that that's ironic, that Stewart's and I, they think that I don't like Stewart's. Yeah. I, it couldn't be anything further from the truth. That's but the mayor is like P.T. Barnum, yeah. and he tells people things enough, and they start believing it. Yeah. Same thing. It's pretty common in national politics these days. Too. It is, but he. But that's the thing <laughs> yeah. that he does. He's yeah. like, you know, he's like a national politician without yeah. any results. Yeah. Um. So that leads to another issue in downtown, mm-hmm. where there was a fifteen million dollar, thirteen million dollar apartment complex mm-hmm. that the mayor tried to put in. He forgot to tell Rob Ash and the Art Authority. Yeah. And they wanted to build what we now refer to as the Nexus Center. Yeah. Nexus okay? Center. Nexus wouldn't be a thing, and I affectionately, literally, and factually take full credit for the Nexus Center. And I, I love yeah. Rob Ash. I understand he's on my opponent's commercial, oh, yeah. but that's business. Yeah. See, the other thing wasn't business. This is business. He's yeah. got to deal with the guy that's in there now. I understand. No problem. But when Rob Ash couldn't get a meeting with the mayor, and I was holding things off, and Carl Anise at the Art Authority couldn't get a meeting with the mm-hmm. mayor because he wouldn't even let him in because Rob wasn't invited to Jer- uh, Ray Helbreder's comments mm-hmm. suite at one point, they called me, yeah. and I stopped it because there was no communication. Now we're at the Kelberman Center. Yes. Same exact scenario. It's happened in North Utica with an asphalt plant. I won't get into that one, but the same sure. thing. East Utica with the Stewarts, Central Utica and downtown with the apartment complex and trying to railroad an entire U district yeah. of entertainment, and now the Kelberman Center. Yeah. If you donate to this mayor, you get to do whatever you want. Yeah. Neighborhood be damned. And I just don't operate that way. And those people don't deserve it. They pay their share of taxes. And, and they're not against the programming of the Kelberman Center's initiative. Exactly. They're against a giant building being put in their small neighborhood that doesn't conform or fit 
and I support them in that. And but they weren't communicated with. Look now again. We talked about you know a debate. The mayor doesn't communicate with anybody. He just goes tell people that are, are complicit. He's talking to the people that regularly vote all the time, and saying, "Look, everything's great. I don't know why this guy, you know." And now he's to the point where he's telling people that these neighbors are against an autistic community. Yeah, that's not fair. That's not the case. Here. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Right. So while well, you're telling people I hate babies and ice cream, yeah. fine. I'm a politician. I got involved in this mm-hmm. on purpose. Now you're saying that this, you know, these people, uh, Lindsay and. Pam and uh, Jamie, the ones that are, you know, the, the voice of their neighbor. Yeah. But believe me, yeah. they're not more passionate than their neighbor. They're all sure. just as passionate. Um, that's not fair that they're being vilified exactly for just trying to care for their neighborhood. And that's the kind of thing that we need to do away with. Well, I think what's interesting about it, too, is it's not like you drive through that section of town and you see signs saying, we don't want this. The signs no. generally say, build it smaller, build right? it which smaller, is really more of a compromise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the thing that I find uh, very odd about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, during this whole conversation, we've gone about 37 minutes. We've talked a lot about Rob Palmieri. We've talked about the election. What we've not talked about is mm-hmm. the third guy running in this election, Matt yeah, Curie. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know Matt. I've never met him. I have done a little bit of research on him. He seems to not love local media. I'll put it that way. I've never met him. But he, he does seem, at least from the people I've talked to, mm-hmm. it seems like, it feels like this is a race between you and and Rob. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I, sure. I, I don't, I, again, I don't know Matt. I've never met him. I, I, yeah. He seems like a nice enough guy, whatever. Mm-hmm. Is there, like, a plan, as the independent, is the plan for, not a plan, is the game plan, the blueprint, to sort of, like, pull in some of those Republicans and some of those Democrats who feel... Like disconnected from Paul Marriott or feel like Arcuri may not represent them. That's got to be the way to sure. look forward to victory, right? Sure. I mean, I, I, look at I've always said I'm a representative for all the people, not yeah. just Democrats. Not, mm-hmm. And the fact that I'm in the independence line, you know, yeah. um, line 9G, by the way, for all your listening audience. <laughs> Absolutely. If you're, if you're playing Battleship, <laughs> if you're playing Battleship with me. <laughs> um, I, I can't speak for Mr. Arcuri. I really sure. can't. I, yeah. I, I won't speak for the Republican Party. I don't know. I know this. All politics is local, right? Yeah. Like the old uh, adage from decades yeah. ago. But we we aren't dealing with, you know, the Second Amendment. We're not dealing with women's health and, and health care. So my job is to tell people that if you're a Republican, you're welcome in my office. If you're a Democrat, you're welcome in my office. If you're an independence member or non-registered voter. When people call me and ask me for favors, and not favors like, you know, hey, I, need, I got a tree that needs to be taken down, yeah. I got a sewer problem. I don't say which party are you in and did you vote in the last election. I just go and help people, and that's what I plan on doing uh, now. But pulling in Republicans, I mean, look, I have very, very fiscally conservative values. Sure. Very. Mm -hmm. I also, though, have very socially liberal values. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I am am an appropriate independence member. I'm a... I'm a political free agent. That is such a thing, too, that for years we have talked about that, you know, because there's this big national discussion, especially Mm -hmm. among Democrats, about are we too progressive, are we too centrist, do the progressive Democrats not trust the centrist Democrats, the centrists not trust the crazy leftists, like whatever, however, where angle you want to pull in there. But I've noticed, especially, and for years I've been saying Democrats and Republicans don't really matter locally. Mm Mm-hmm. What I do find curious recently is sort of this, and I'm not naming names here, it feels like a lot of people are running as Democrats because they didn't, because they're running against a Republican, mm-hmm. not because they're really Democrats, and vice versa. Without a doubt. 
And I wonder if that is confusing or frustrating in any way to the voters. I don't have an answer to that. I just wonder if... I don't know the vote. I mean, look, when I, again, when I knock on doors... Because there are people who just vote down R&D. Like, they don't even think about anything else. And, like, this is the person who says D. I'm going to vote D. And that's... Sure. And, you know, making your your case about why you should move away from that one thing because it doesn't benefit you has got to be hard for people who are stuck in that mentality. Sure, it is. I mean, you know, the fact that you actually don't click a lever anymore and you actually have to bubble things is a little different Mm -hmm. and kind of moves it away a little bit. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, a lot of people run run from here as Democrats because it's a Democratic city, right? Yes. So they just do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know... If a voter asked me at their door, and a few did, but not many. Everybody talked to me about local issues. But people would ask me about what I thought about Bernie Sanders and what I thought about mm-hmm. AOC and what I thought about, you know, yeah. as a Democrat and it's a primary. Don't forget we're talking to hardcore Democratic voters. Yes. Um, so a few people asked me, and, you know, my response is this. Why can't I agree with some of the policies that Trump has had? Yeah. And why can't I agree with the Green New Deal? Yeah. I mean, I believe in the Green New Deal. I don't believe in it fully, though. I believe that if it had some bipartisan sure. support, you can structure a few things that were a little less stringent on business because you don't want to handcuff a, a, a factory that maybe doesn't have carbon emissions up mm-hmm. to a certain standard but still treat it like it does and give them that. So that's, that's hindering on business. So um, I have... You know, I have my Democratic principles that I, I, I tell people a lot. I'm a John F. Kennedy Democrat. Yeah. yeah you know, that's mm-hmm. the kind of Democrat that I am. I, I believe in country first, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, some, you know, just super hyper right-wing nuts have kind of bastardized, you know, this yeah. country first thing. And if you're a Democrat, you're anti-American. And yeah. if you're... Uh, uh, there is, there's a certain level of this sort of whataboutism that exists where everything is... Well, if this is this, then how come he did this? Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And a lot of times these things don't have any correlation. And also, and I hate to say it, sometimes people are just wrong. I had a person yesterday who, I won't say who, friend of mine, though, who is politically neutral, we'll call him, somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. right? And he said to me, I heard that Hillary Clinton's going to run. What do you think? And I said, "Where did? Why do you believe that? Yeah, yeah, why do you yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. real? Because someone on Twitter said it. Yeah. Because someone on Reddit told you that's not real. Like yeah. I don't. We just get so caught up in these narratives and stories, and I think people like the drama of it to a certain hundred percent. The news certainly likes it. Like, why do you think Donald Trump's the president right now? He's <sighs> he's showy. I mean, he's a flashy guy. You know. I mean, can I tell you my theory? Please. So I read somewhere, and again, I have to look, I have to find the report from this. Someone did a research, uh, a research report about the level of language that politicians use when speaking to the public. Yeah. And if you go to, if you went to an Obama rally back in the day, the average level of comprehension you would need to understand what he was saying was like eleventh grade. Okay. You need, to, you need to get through like eleventh grade to have a concept. That's of what high. He was talking. That's high. Very high. For Trump, it's like fourth through sixth grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I'm not sitting here saying that Trump talks like a fourth. Or sixth grader necessarily, but he resonates. But the language he uses is easily understandable to someone who didn't get that far in school. It's very base language, sure. and I wonder if that kind of thing has been to his benefit to a certain extent. Yeah, look again. You know, I don't. Yeah, I disagree with how President Trump carries yes his office mm-hmm. vehemently. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, and Negativity. I don't mind telling people yeah. that. You know, I mean, even with the uh, you know with 
the Baghdadi capture. You know, yes. why do you have to go out and say that you're the first person that ever heard that of Osama yeah. bin Laden before all? Yeah. I mean, it's not necessary. Yeah. You're the president. You know, I say that about Mr. Palmieri. Why do you have to go out and and brag like you're the greatest thing that ever happened to mayors in a country? Why don't you just do do a few people a few service yeah. things and then you know keep it? Um, but again, with, and in the same token, I don't disagree with his policies on foreign trade. I mean, I really don't. I yeah. don't believe that we should be, you know, the 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 world's police department. Yeah. You know, I believe that if you're going to have our service, then maybe we sh- we can benefit mutually from cer- yeah. certain things. So I do agree and disagree with certain things, but the the level of communication that he employs yeah. is actually an age old thing. That's why newspapers only write at a fifth grade level. Yeah. And that's not because people are unintelligent. There's no one wants to wade through the, the grammar yeah. of you know of somebody just over talking them. You know, I mean, we all know that you have words. I mean, I have a lot of words. You don't have to use them all, though. Uh, I think I think you're dead on, and I think it's it's funny too because I think that for as much and I, I I've said on the show personally for many years. You, this is just me saying this. I can't stand Trump. I can't stand him. Yeah, I didn't like him when I was a kid. Because he used to be on wrestling all the time. All <laughs> yeah. Movies that showed up. Sure. I mean, I, I just it it boggles my mind being from the age that I am, growing up knowing what I know about this guy. That I was like, really? Yeah. Um, because you hold that yeah. office in high regard. I, I do. And, yeah, and you want to make sure that the president doesn't swing down. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like I, I've said many times about Maiden Utica. I've said it about a lot of things. But you never want to punch down. If you are fighting for something, you always want to be punching up. 100%. The minute you start punching down, yeah. you look like a jerk. Mm-hmm. And he is a 100,000% down puncher. Yeah, And it is frustrating because because of my feelings. There are things that I'm like, okay, it kind of makes sense, but I give him none of the credit. Yeah, it's, but it, and that's it's, the, it's fair that you would admit that. And, it, and it's fair because if maybe if it was a different Republican, mm-hmm. I could be more talked into, uh, like, okay, that kind of makes sense. But I, it is true, my personal bias toward him... It, it affects me, and, and it's happened. true. Yeah. So I have to divorce myself yeah. from that, from any yeah. bias whatsoever, yeah. because I'm interested in yeah. working with Donald Trump in the future and getting a trillion of that dollars of infrastructure yeah. money, right? So as a as a person that's involved in government, I have to make sure that I represent Republicans, Democrats, Independents, mm. members. I have to make sure that they all feel welcome. And and I say this um, because again, I don't mind telling anybody that you know. A president tweeting the way he tweets yeah. is absurd. Yeah. And anyone that thinks that, you know, it's refreshing, it's not. No. It's not refreshing. It's just silly. So some of the things, though, that he tweets are public knowledge things that he's yeah. opening up the world to Whoa. see. And that I appreciate. Yeah. I appreciate some of the things like you're being honest and transparent and that I can appreciate. So um, for me, I have to, you know, you got to kind of be, uh, you know, you have to be aware of what you're doing. And the example I use is this. No one knows if Warren G. Harding was a terrible woman. I, you know what I mean? Nope. Because he didn't have Twitter. Now that's an interesting one too. I always think I I remember talking to um, my old man who is not particularly political in any one way or the other, but he was going off one day about about Clinton, about mm-hmm. like ah womanizer, total scumbag. <laughs> you know, he's the yeah. worst. And I was like, okay. I was like, 
didn't you like JFK though? Aren't you like a JFK guy? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. well, they didn't they didn't talk about it as often. I'm like, well, how is that Clinton's fault? Yeah, <laughs> well, like, yeah, right. I, they're, maybe they're both doing the same thing, but the media coverage changed. The world did change. The world changed. the world changed that's a it. lot. And right? again, that's what I mean. Yeah. You know, look at the world the way it goes. Yeah. Everybody likes the drama. They like yeah. instant gratification. They yeah. like to just be online. My kids, when I was getting on my first internet, when there was yeah. AOL and it was you know that mm-hmm. noise and it was click clanging yep. everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my kids you would think that the world just stopped turning if the wi-fi is down for oh three God. minutes I, that's i mean it's all instant gratification we've talked about that a lot a lot of the stuff we do whether it's work or play everything we do now is turned digital and i always get nervous like this is the conspiracy theories to me mm-hmm. what happens if like the electricity just leaves yeah, like, yeah, lose yeah, all yeah, the... yeah. now yeah. what everything we've done is turned digital what happens then yeah uh before we uh get into some lightning round questions i do have two last questions Please. for you uh, one of these is from uh, GFOP Ken Smith on Twitter. So thank you, Ken. Uh, question for Joe. Uh, you spent the last few months crisscrossing the city and the neighborhoods, meeting Uticans and earning their vote. Uh, what are some of the most memorable stories you can share from the campaign trail? I'll just leave you if you have one or two, one story, two stories. That are... Like fun stories? Or yeah, yeah, you know... something nice that you've experienced while you've been on this campaign trail. There are some. As, as politicians, you know, sometimes when we're at like events or something, Especially during petition time when we're meeting yeah, yeah. people, we tell stories of one another. Yeah. Um, one story, I mean, you know, you eat a lot of cookies. Oh, yeah. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I, and this is, this woman, um, it was very, very cold in the beginning mm-hmm. of my petition season, and she, uh, she called, she recognized me from somewhere, you know, TV or where, wherever, and she said, Oh my God, I heard you were running for mayor. Please come in. I said, Well, I'm collecting signatures, and I've since seen her a few times. Um, but she offered me, and she had she was an old English professor, and, and I don't yeah. mean old in age. She was a little elderly, yeah, yeah. but she's an English professor from Hamilton College, sure. uh, and she invited me in, and she wanted me to try this Buddhist tea that she oh. got from Nepal. <laughs> All right, and you know I'm look I'm from East Judica, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. So I'm drinking coffee with sambuca, <laughs> yeah. and I'm drinking you know eating biscotti and and things like that. So. <clears throat> I thought, well, I've never really campaigned in South Dakota yeah. all that frequently, especially this. That. Yeah. So I go, yeah, let's try some Nepalese um, tea. Yeah. It tasted like an ox smells. <laughs> but because she was so nice, and I wasn't trying to gain her vote, she seemed clearly like she was yeah. on my side already. Yeah, sure. I, I, you know, plugged my nose and got every inch of this down. There were, you know, and there, there are stories like that. Um, you meet really interesting people. Um, 99 times out of 100, mm. people are very welcoming. You know, you'll get the occasional person that just doesn't want to know anybody. This wasn't this election, yeah. but I remember I brought a, a, I was bringing flyers around, and I knocked on the guy's door, and uh, he said, he said, uh, I don't want anything. I said, well, no, I'm just, uh, I go, I'm not selling you anything. It's going to leave you a little information. I'm running for common council in East Judica. Mm. And he goes, uh, leave it on the porch. I'll burn it when you leave. <laughs> I go, I go, okay, sir. <laughs> right? <laughs> So uh, yeah, so you get those. That's interesting, man. There's a lot of a lot of good people around here. A lot of a lot of stories. Appreciate the cu- uh, question. Ken. Thank you, Thanks Ken. A lot. Um, so I have a couple quick ones here for you, and then I'm going to close off with one last election question for you. Uh, sure. These are lightning round questions, which we I, had to, I always have to come up with new ones for you when you've been on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this one I is, love these ones. Uh, this so is this one is for me. Um, I I hate the time machine question. If you take a time machine and go back to a certain time period, because they're all whatever. Yeah. But in this case, if you had a time machine, is there any one particular moment in history you'd like to go back and see? JFK assassination, something. I don't know. Like I always think, like any one particular moment that you would be curious to have been there for. 
Yeah, I, I think of ancient Rome all ancient the time. Ancient Rome, interesting. All, wow, the all the way back, I love it. Yeah, I just, you know, <laughs> because there was really no, there was really not a lot of recorded presence there. I mean, you know, it yeah. wasn't, you know, a lot of writing. Um, um, I think of that, I think of ancient Rome, mm. and I think of the Dark Ages a mm. lot. I, you know, I've been, I've been watching a lot of, uh, a lot of documentaries oh, on yeah. the Dark Ages and, and nights and things like that. Um, those two things fascinate me the most yeah. because, only because they're so undocumented. We, right? we talk about this all the time with my kids, and it always throws them off in history class. And I was like, you know, the Roman Empire was around for 500 plus years. Yeah. The United States has been here for roughly, let's call it 260. Do yeah. You, do, and I always ask them, do you think we'll make it to 500? And I'm always surprised by how few of them are like, yes. They, they're like, I don't think we're going to make it. That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, look, as young as we are as a country, but yeah. um, but you're right. I mean, in all the, all the, um, all the, the czars and the, yeah. you know, the, from Julius Caesar to yeah. Nero. Nero was a terrible guy. Yeah. I mean, he would just literally like yeah. eat people in the middle of the streets. And you think to yourself, what kind of... And they're, by the way, they're the ones that developed democracy. Yeah. So, and they had a guy like Nero. What's the Attila the Hun thing, right? If you if you do a 23andMe or some sort of like DNA test... Everybody comes back to him because he has a million like, yeah, kids. I it's know. insane. It's yeah. just like, wow. I know. Think about it. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, impact. yeah. Oh, believe me. I, yeah, I got a couple friends from high school that are like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you have any... Uh, I asked this yesterday of Mike Hennessy. Um, was there any one particular politician or historical figure that sort of initially drew you into politics? Was there some certain... I always said, like, uh, for me, like, I think Obama was probably the most important, like, national politician in my lifetime. But, like, as a younger man, was there any politician that's sort of like, yeah, this guy, to get you sort of excited to get involved in politics? Um, You know, honestly, not really. Mm. I I mean, I'm not... I'm not the the typical, like... I wasn't, like, a a, Mm. a groupie for politics. Sure. I, and that's kind of like why I am the way I am now. I mean, you know, I can yeah. see both sides. I understand mm-hmm. the game of politics. I get it. I don't love it, but I get it. But um, if I had to point to somebody that I looked up to, it would be Obama. Yeah. In term, I mean, I was a little older, but I, I like because I didn't have Martin Luther King yeah. in my life, right? And I didn't have um, people like that. So Obama was very inspiring and somebody that, uh, you know, can gather hundreds of thousands of yeah. people and then they hang on their word. Yeah. I just I found that inspiring, if anybody. But I, I didn't, um, you know, I read about the history of the country and how it, how it all worked, but it wasn't the politics that I was more interested well, in. It was what they were like as men. It's kind of ruined me for this. And de- women. Oh, yeah. It's kind of ruined me for this debate cycle because mm-hmm. I got used to the idea that one of these politicians is going to be polished. Is going to be like, oh, my God, this yeah. is the one. How did we not yeah. see it? Yeah. Where in this one... I like and dislike certain things about almost everybody. I'm like, oh, I like all these people for the most part. And then there's usually one or two things I disagree with. But I don't have a, even as a guy who's going to vote Democrat in the national elections, mm-hmm. still totally not sure who my favorite person out there is. I like and dislike pretty much everybody. Yeah. Except Biden. That leaves you an open mind. I know. You know, I'll <laughs> yeah. tell you about Biden. I mean, now because now ever since I've gotten yeah. involved, now I'm yeah. like very, very attuned to yeah. everything. And, you know, in my mid-20s, when I started having kids, yeah. I really paid attention a lot more, just like most people. Yeah, yeah. It's not uncommon. Um, but uh, but I actually feel bad for Joe Biden. I do feel bad for Joe because Biden. Because everybody suckered this guy into running for office. And the minute he did, they just eviscerated him. 
you know, from all angles. He's I, got Trump coming at him, Elizabeth Warren's coming at him. You know, everybody just the guy's like retiring, and he's like, "All right, I'll run for office." He's got the minute many, he does, he's got too much baggage. He's connected to the Obama thing, mm-hmm. where anytime he mentions Obama, people are like, oh, "Here he goes mentioning Obama." Yeah, and I think that there's a subsect of <laughs> yeah. voters who are concerned about the age thing, not just with him, sure, with a lot of the folks who sure. are in that seventy to eighty range, where you're like, "I don't." think you know what a 20-year-old's life is like or a 30-year-old's life is like. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you talked about it earlier. You, you know, we, I know I've had connections to local politicians <laughs> privately and publicly. Yeah. I've always been my own person, um, and I've always been, you know, I don't want to have that Joe Biden experience anyway. Uh, I'll give you one light one here. One book, album, movie, or show you're currently reading, listening to, or watching. I'm sure you don't have a lot of free time these days. It's really not a lot. Yeah. Um, it's usually a show, and uh, I told you one before, but... Uh, you know, I, I really am into the, the show Luther. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. On, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a BBC show. I'm familiar with Luther. I grew up watching Columbo. Um, just Columbo is... Just if somebody Columbo. asked me what your favorite television show of yeah. all time ever is, it's got to be Columbo. Peter Falk is a legend. It's amazing. I love Peter I mean, everything about the guy is amazing. <laughs> we accidentally watched, like, a whole Columbo movie here one day because it was on, like, MeTV. We were flipping through, and I was like, I think this is a Columbo movie. They're all great. It's you so know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're all amazing. So um, Luther is like a like an updated version yeah. of uh, Columbo. So there's a ton of detective shows, but I find I find Luther to be, you know, the, he, he has, like, personal issues, whereas Columbo had his wife always on his ass yeah, about yeah, something yeah. or another, so... Um, Smoking yeah. a cigar in an yeah, elevator yeah, yeah. In, a <laughs> in a hospital. Yeah, in 1965, I know. <laughs> different, again, different, different, different times. Live. Different times. Uh, and I guess last but not least, this is sure. just my question that I feel like I need to ask you. Um, no matter what happens on November 5th, uh-huh. what happens on November 6th for you? If you win, what happens? And if you lose, what happens? Um, I haven't really given it a lot of thought. Um, really, I mean... The only thing I can tell you is if I win, I would immediately call the department heads and let them know that they're safe in my hands. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone fearing for their job, sure. and there's a lot of rumors. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've had eight years where the mayor's going around telling everybody that I'm a devil in City Hall, yeah. and that's not fair to them. Um, so immediately I would call the department heads and tell them, you know, how we were, we we're going to work together to, to move this forward. If I lose, um, I go back to my family. I, you know, I have a wonderful job, a wonderful family, and I continue to support my community in other ways. I don't know which way. It won't be a politician uh, way, but uh, but you know, I'm very young. I got a lot of lot of life left in me, and this community is the only thing that I care about beyond my family. So uh, I look forward to helping it in some way or another. So November sixth, I'm either calling my wife or calling department heads, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna help out as best we could. November 5th is the election, folks. Uh, Joe, before I let you go, where can people go to check out your uh, your website, your connect with you, Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, we have a website, Joe for Utica at Gmail, uh, or Joe for Utica at Gmail is my, um, my, uh, my Gmail account, but Joe for Utica.com. Mm-hmm. Joe the number four Utica.com. And then my social media. I, I'm more on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter than I am in, in my website. My sure. website's just a landing page just to let people know I'm sure. running, but. My social media is uh, is everywhere. Joe Marino for mayor. Just you know, search Joe Marino on Facebook. Joe for uh, Joe Utica four. The number four signifies where I came from. Sure. That fourth you ward. know the fourth ward. Those people put me in a position to even be here. Uh, I'll always be appreciative of the people of East Utica. I'm from North. Uh, I've gotten you know a, a deep affection and, and family in South and West and Cornhill. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, I'm all over the place around here. But, yeah, find me on social media. That's the easiest way to get in touch with me. Joe, uh, I wish you good luck. Thank you I'm so much. I'm looking forward to the election day, and I, I wish nothing but the best for you. Thank I you so I appreciate it, sir. Sam. I always love coming on. And uh, one way or another, you know, give me a couple weeks to get over whatever happens, and uh, we'll come back and we'll do a recap. I'd be honored if you'd let me back on. This is not the last time we've heard from Joe. As it, no matter what happens. Joe, thank you so much. Thanks. Back to the show in just a minute. Vitally important to get out there and get your voice heard, especially today in these You got to vote. We need you to vote. Everybody's got to vote. Um, so right before we went to the interview, we I said, oh, I think there's a cop car out front of the house. Turns out, full-fledged fire. A couple houses down from us. Yes, yeah. uh, going right now. It looks like yeah. they've got it under control, but down in the corner there's four or five fire trucks, cops everywhere. The whole neighborhood is out. So uh, in between, we walked out, walked out and surveyed the scene. Mm-hmm. Talk to the neighbors, which yeah, is always yeah. important. Saw a lot of the neighbors. It's so funny because, not funny, but I was thinking about Dane Cook for whatever reason this morning because there's that one bit that Dane Cook does about like people going out to see a fire is like the only time people were excited to see their neighbors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just like, I saw, I was in my kitchen when I heard it and I came out. <laughs> and, oh yeah, I was in the living room and then the, the, the car came by and it's like, oh, that's, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's what it felt like out story there. Too. We did see, I saw my buddy, uh, this, my friend Antoine lives four houses up mm. and I never see him unless we wave if we're out in the street or something. Uh, but he's a filmmaker, and he gave us Halloween film recommendation Midsummer. He said nice. is the movie, mm-hmm. and also I thought of it during the break. Uh, if people want a recommendation for what to watch for spooky season, mm. uh, the original Candyman is on Netflix. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! And if you've never seen it, do yes. yourself a favor. Um, also, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is yeah. on there. So you should watch that. Save that one. We're gonna talk about that. Poltergeist. In a minute. Okay, I'm into that. Is Poltergeist still on there? I don't know. I didn't I see it. Watch. Watch. Poltergeist was one of my first movies that I was really genuinely terrified of as a child. Like I, I saw watched... Poltergeist late in life, but I feel like I knew the tropes, like the TV and I, all that uh, different stuff. I saw it at a sleepover when I was mm. younger. I saw Candyman at a sleepover. Sleepover, yeah. So, yeah. All right, so let's, um, if that's the case, let's let's get through some of these history lessons. I'm already canceling history lesson uh, number two, which was about Muhammad Ali. It was Muhammad Ali's first fight. Hey. We talked about Muhammad Ali before on the show. Mm. Uh, On this day, 1886, the Statue of Liberty was dedicated by U.S. President Grover Cleveland, celebrated by the first Tinker Tape uh, Parade in New York City. Uh, Statue of Liberty, American icon, uh, was designed by French sculptor Frederick uh, Bartholdi. I think I said that correctly. Uh, It is a figure of Libertas, the robed Roman liberty goddess, which I did not know. Mm. A broken shackle and chain lies at her feet as she walks forward. Uh... Uh, comment, uh, commemorating the recent national abolishment of slavery. Um, it's used for tons and tons of stuff besides just being the Statue of Liberty. It's the logo for tons of institutions. New York State uh, license plates have had the Statue of Liberty on it from like 1986 through 2000. Uh, the WNBA's New York Liberty uses it as their logo. So do the New York Rangers. So does the Libertarian Party. It's very popular. Comes alive in, uh, in Ghost, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Uh, I'm going to get to that in just a second, actually. Look at you. You're ahead of me. Uh, in pop culture and music, it's been used to invoke support for and against policies about Americans. So Toby Keith mm-hmm. used it in 
courtesy of the red, white, and blue. And it's also on the cover of the Dead Kennedys album, Bedtime for Democracy. So it really can be used in multiple aspects. Runs the gamut. Runs the gamut. Um, I mean, it's the climax in the Alfred Hitchcock movie, uh, Saboteur. Uh, it's in Planet of the Apes. And it's maybe it's most famous sci-fi uh, depiction. Uh, Independence Day gets destroyed. It gets oh, destroyed yeah. in Cloverfield. Um, it's vital to the novel Time and Again. Uh, matter of fact, this is a quote from the Encyclopedia of Science Fiction written in 1979. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Where would science fiction be without the Statue of Liberty? For decades, it has towered uh, or crumbled above the wastelands of deserted Earth. Giants have uprooted it. Aliens have found it curious. The symbol of liberty, of optimism, has become a symbol of science fiction's pessimistic view of the future. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, there you go. And very spooky. A well, fun fact about Grover Cleveland, mm. the president who, who was there when that came. Yeah. Uh, Grover Cleveland is the only president in the history of the United States to serve two terms non-consecutively. Ah. Grover Cleveland was the president, some other fellow was president, then they voted in old Grover again. <laughs> is he the one who got shot or is that Garfield? Mm, yeah, that's not him. I think that, it's either Garfield, I think it might be McKinley. I think no, no, one of them got shot in a subway or like in a train station. It was either Cleveland it was or Garfield. Cleveland. Might have been Might have been Garfield. Who knows? I have to look it up. Not me. Uh, like I said, we're moving past uh, Muhammad Ali's first fight. That was 1960, though, in case you're curious. Uh, and, Kevin, you sort of beat me to the punch on this one. On this day, 1974, uh, the seminal horror film The Texas Chainsaw Massacre premieres mm. in Los Angeles, directed by Toby Hooper, written and produced by Toby Hooper as well, uh, follows a group of friends who fall victim to a family of cannibals while on their way to visit an old homestead. Mm. film was marketed as being based on true events to attract a wider audience, and although some minor details were inspired by the murder at Gein, the plot is largely fictional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they produced the film for less than $140,000, which, if you adjust it for inflation today, is like $700,000. Um, Literally nothing. Yeah. Literally nothing. Yeah. Uh, the limited budget forced Hooper to uh, film long seven-hour days, uh, seven-day weeks, and finish as quickly as possible to reduce rental costs. Mm-hmm. However, due to the film's violent content, uh, they did struggle for a long time to find a distributor, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Um, I watched this movie not too long ago. It's actually mm. less gory. It's a good segue. Than you than you give it credit for. In the same way that like Pulp Fiction gets this mentality of being, oh, this scene is so brutal, but you don't actually see any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't see as much stuff in Texas Chainsaw Massacre as you would imagine. I was it, young when I saw it. Yeah. yeah. So it's something, uh, for me, you said, you know, I'm resident, I like a lot of horror movies. Mm-hmm. I watch a lot of movies like this. And, you know, especially with older movies, classics like Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff like The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, all sorts of classic old movies. It's re- if you're going to bother to watch a horror movie, it's really important to really engage in your sense of disbelief, you know what I mean? Like, you've got to put away the yeah. fact that, like, you know, yes, of course, this isn't scary, and these are just actors on a set, but you got to kind of buy in when you watch it. But I think it's always important when you watch an older movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre to take a minute to put yourself in the headspace and think, okay, in 1974, mm-hmm. when nobody... Because, like, not, it's different now because it's been in the culture for 30, 40 years. We've seen so many different takes on it, knocks on it, but in 1974, nobody had ever seen a dude with a chainsaw wearing mm-hmm. another guy's mm-hmm. face as a mask cannibalizing people, and they said it's based on true events. It's important to appreciate the context of the time that these movies came out in if you want to understand why they're so revered and considered to be so relevant and considered to be classics. You have to consider the time frame. Uh, i got to share this with you guys because I've never heard this before, and this is on the Wikipedia page, so take this for what it is. There is sourcing for it. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre has been described as, quote, the ultimate pro-vegetarian film due to its animal rights themes. In a video essay, film critic Rog Agar describes the irony in humans being slaughtered for meat 
putting humans in the position of being slaughtered like farm animals. Director Toby Hooper has confirmed that, quote, this is a film about meat, unquote, and even gave up meat while making the film, saying, in a way, I thought the heart of the film was about meat. It's about the chain of life and killing sentient beings. Writer and director Guillermo del Toro became a vegan for uh, for a time after seeing the film. So apparently, there's some vegan, vegetarian I get it. connection I mean, to this movie. I never thought about that I before. I get it. It makes sense. I'd, maybe I'd call me... You know, morally weak, whatever it is. I'm, I'm eating meat. <laughs> no, fine. I, I just, hear you. You know, bonus I, salute to I, you uh, boys. And if you don't do it, more power to you. I get it totally. Factory mm. farming, all that stuff. Terrible. But, like, I, we made mm. we made baby back pork ribs here at the house just yesterday. Delicious. Were those ribs not delicious? They were delightful. Did that pig have a nice life? Probably not. You made great, great crock But neither do I. So I should eat these ribs. <laughs> Heather, uh, rank for me, if you will, the where you would put Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the pantheon of the great horror movie characters like Freddy and Jason. You got him ahead of Freddy and Jason. That's so weird. Like, that's a hard one because he's just like a whole different entity compared to Jason. Feels more he visceral. Be, he feels, I would put him number one because number he one. seems more like you could really run into the weirdo like that. <laughs> that's true. Like, Jason and Freddy, I, maybe, n- that's not going to happen, but Leatherface, there are weirdos out there and I feel That's like really I could point, actually, actually be in a desert, a secluded area somewhere, and that guy would be in a house somewhere in the woods. I see what you're saying. I put him as my um. So more than like the yeah, supernatural. Yeah, I feel like I could. That could happen. So I put him. I don't think I put him in like a. I probably could put him in a rank like you know one through whatever and order him. But the parallel that I think is interesting, I really love the old uh, Universal horror movie mm-hmm. monsters. Interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. The old Dracula, the old oh. Frankenstein, the old Mummy, the old Wolfman, like the big four, right? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Leatherface is part of a more modern big four that is Leatherface, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, and Michael Myers. Mm. Those are like the new big four, the new set of no, like pinhead. These are the pinhead four. not sneaking in there at five. Pinhead is the <laughs> pinhead. pinhead is like the Sky swamp Hellraiser. monster, the thing from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, that's Pinhead. Yeah. Pin just number five. He's Hellraiser. Just a Hellraiser. Player. Yeah. Yeah. Hellraiser uh, is also on Netflix. You should watch that, but like know that it's very, very violent and blood and, and like and very almost and, violent. Yeah. and almost so over the top that it's funny in a weird yeah, way. Yeah. It's so over hammy. And like the, it's just super dramatic. That's one. Just consider consider where your bar for tolerance is. Consider who you're watching it with yeah. and who you're showing it to. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we've got friends. A good friend of the podcast, Justin Parkinson, cannot do any kind of gore cut break anything. He can't, yeah. he can't, can't even look it. at it. He has to leave. So for somebody like him, you try to show him Hellraiser. He's mm-hmm. not going to be like, oh, this is funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, all right. On this day, 1993, uh, European band. Ace of Bass from Sweden released their single "The Sign." Heather, oh. are you familiar with this song, of "The Sign"? I am. Uh, an international hit, reaching number two in the United Kingdom and spending six non-consecutive weeks at number one. We talked about this a while ago. It's rare for a song to stay at number one for more than like three or four weeks. It's even like the best songs, just you know. And I think that's not back well. then, though. I think. Yeah, because yeah. there were so many songs coming out, though, back then, right? You're well, more, you're more likely think, to get knocked off the charts back then. But I also feel like back then it it was a little bit more of a monoculture where mm-hmm. it's like, this is pop radio, this is what Clear Channel's putting on, this is what you'll hear everywhere. And it takes longer to hear all the music, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fair. I had the Ace of Bass album on cassette tape mm-hmm. in oh, yeah. My sister loved this album. Loved yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Um, the album became the, it became the top song on Billboard's 1994 year-end charts. Uh, it also appeared on the band's debut album titled Happy Nation. Was Ace of Bass basically an attempt to modernize and reboot ABBA? Discuss. Uh, so That's what it seemed like to me. We're going to really? get to get a discussion about they're ABBA. Doing like dance, like and they're all Euro. Like There's a couple them. guys and a couple girls. Uh, I like both of them. No, they were, I think they were, 
Ace of Base is interesting because the sign is like their big track. Can you name the other two songs they put out that also were like killer, like killer on the charts? Because they had two more. One of them I'm gonna be mad when you say the other uh-huh. one. I have no idea. All right, so they had two more songs. Uh, all that she wants. All that she wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Um, and then the other one is "Don't Turn Around," oh, don't which is a better track. I know that one. Oh, I forgot that was a song. Yeah. Cause you're gonna see my heart breaking. Yeah, I gotta listen to it. We might start. We might start playing that. It's a good we might one. start playing "Don't Turn Around." I gotta take a listen. Uh, a lot of modern artists uh, and singers have said Ace of Base huge influence on them. Lady Gaga says the song Alejandro in particular was heavily influenced by the song "Don't Turn Around." Katy Perry said that her album "Teenage Dream" was like she wanted it to sound like Ace of Base. Um, this was a big... Dream, uh, Apex Mountain for Katy Perry. Oh, for sure. 100%. Uh, the group released four studio albums between 92 and 2002 that weren't this album, and they've sold 50 million records worldwide, making them the third most successful Swedish band of all time behind ABBA, and another band I'm familiar with, the name Roxette, but I couldn't oh, tell yeah. you... Yeah, I couldn't tell Joyride. you one. Joy- Joyride. Joyride. I don't know if I, I you probably know if would. You heard it. Uh, this is a great debut album, though. I, I was curious. Sure. Uh, I went to Rolling Stone. They have a list of the 100 best debut albums of all time. Which oh, was, really? 100 best debut albums of all time. Which Sounds was like a nice time waste article. I'm into that. You ready for top 10? I'll give you top 10. Top 10 debut albums. Top 10 debut albums according to Rolling Stone. Starting with number 10. Starting with number 10. Uh, Patti Smith, Horses. That's a very Rolling Stone pick. It's a very Rolling Stone pick. Yeah. Uh, I get it. Uh, number nine, the band, music from Big Pink, another oh, very rolling, very stone rolling stone. Jan Leonard, we get it, you were there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hang on, I accidentally moved myself off the article, so I got to go find it again. I, I I will say debut album is tough because like my first thought was like Third Eye Blind. I was like, hey, Third Eye Blind had a really good debut album. Yeah, they're not making that's not making the list. Uh, all right, back to the list. That album is a classic, though, self-titled. Uh, number seven, uh, I, number seven is Sex Pistols. Don't mind the Bullocks. I mean, oh, God. sure. I guess. You get it. <laughs> uh, here's one I like. Number, uh, Sorry, number eight is one I missed. The Strokes. This is it. Yeah. Huge album. I love this. Is this it? Great album. Still still a very big Rolling Stone pick. A lot of Rolling Stone picks on here. I need something undeniable. Number six, Straight Outta Compton, NWA. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty uh, high in the list. You don't think so? I mean, what? sure. I'm Num- under, sure. Number five, The Velvet Underground, The Nico. That album with the banana on the cover. Yeah, this one. Get over yourselves. Number four, Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses. Nice. That makes a lot of sense. Pretty, pretty undeniable. Yeah, makes yeah, a lot yeah. of sense. Number three, Are You Experienced, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, I, mean, I think that was like his only. Oh, he died quick. <laughs> Jimmy Hendrix was only famous for like twenty minutes in the sixties. Number yeah. two, The Ramones. The Ramones. Uh, I would take sure. that over the Sex Pistols. And number one, if I can get to the bottom, is where is it? Where is it? Uh, Bob Dylan. The Beastie Boys, licensed to ill. What? Weird. What that's a weird. A, that's, that's a really odd, that's a swerve. It's an odd list. That's Rolling a swerve. Stone. So, what are some? Can you think of any excellent debut albums that are obviously a little bit outside the pale of what Rolling Stone might cover? Mm, I mean, we I mean, said ten by Pearl Jam. Jam. Ten by Pearl Jam. Maybe. That's probably on the. This is a hundred. Yeah, it's probably true. on the list I'm sure somewhere. It is. I'm sure. It is. I mean, it's weird, right? Because a lot of the albums that I love were not the debut albums, right? The mm. self-titled Sublime album is not their debut album. No, they had no, albums yeah. before that. But for most people, that's probably their debut album, right? That's I think fair. I think I'd have to pull up a list of stuff off the top of I my head. I think about it because like a lot of my favorite, like my favorite band is Radiohead, but their first album would not be the no, one. No, no. Uh, the Killers album, Hot Fuss, mm. is the one with all your favorite Killer songs on it. 
That's a good one. Uh, I'm trying to think. Even the second back half of that album. I can't even think right now. Very vaguely, was that Iron Sheik album we like? Was that their debut album? I'm sure they had something out before that. Yeah. Really like that album. Um, I don't listen to a lot of like new music. I feel like there's not a lot of new artists who I've been like. No, you're not no, new I'm music. so behind. You stay away. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, so if you have any debut albums you really liked, hit us up on Twitter and we'll, we'll you chat. You know about it. a new artist that surprised me? Sure. For the Halloween show, we had to learn this song by Post Malone. Hey, Post Malone. Mm-hmm. This song called Circles. I've never listened mm. to a bunch of Post Malone. I've heard some stuff. We did play one other one like once or twice. Sunflower? A college style show. A song called I Fall Apart. Oh. Um, Sunflower's a banger. But this song is called Circles by Post Malone. He's definitely, you know, it's a modern artist and he's doing like some things that are kind of like the auto tune and like that lean sure. wobbly sound. But it's crazy because I listen to this song. I'm like, this is like a, like Cure song or like a. It's weird. It was. It's all guitars and bass and drums. Yeah. And I'm like, I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it. And it's not like going to change my life or anything. But I found the song to be hmm. way more enjoyable than I thought. I listened to it. I'm like, I didn't think it was the right song when I heard it. I said it before. It's cool. They're using guitars and bass and drums again. Mm-hmm. When I watched the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse movie, there's a song that they used. It's a Post Malone song called Sunflower, mm-hmm. and it pops in the movie a couple times. And I really liked it in the movie. And I had to look up who the song was. And when I did, and it said Post Malone, I was like, damn it! Ah, no, Post Malone! Somewhere in my head, I just assumed that Post Malone sounded like Migos. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool, because there's a bunch of Migos songs that I Migos. like as well. Debut but, album. like, you know what I mean? I just thought... What's on the Migos debut album? Is that on the list? They got hits. Uh, Yeah, they were probably one. They probably had, like, Bad Bougie, at least. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get this last history lesson out of the way. We've gone too long here. 2001, Indie Cult hit. Donnie Darko. Rage Against the Machine self-titled debut album. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I love music. I'll do music. Whatever, Heather. 2001, Donnie best. Darko starring Jake Gyllenhaal is released. Um, this movie has an 87% uh, positive rating from critics on Rotten Tomato. It has an average of 7.6. I gotta tell you, miss me on this movie. I don't understand... Well, people love this movie so much. You you watched Donnie Darko? I before? started to watch some of it. I couldn't. I couldn't finish it. It had a lackluster. Right. It's. I mean, it has a lackluster like, nah. <laughs> box office performance. It did receive critical acclaim at the time. Zombie Darko is a right time, right place movie. Like it mm. came out at a time mm-hmm. when a lot of us edgy MySpace teens were coming of age and we're like, yeah, man, this movie's so deep and dark and. It's still cool, and if you're going to watch Donnie Darko, I deeply recommend watching the director's cut if yes, you can find it. I've heard that as well. Because it fills in a lot more of the, the junk, but it's definitely a movie, as we get older, I feel like it's a little bit uh, overrated. Yes. It's in that club of movies like uh, certainly Boondock Saints, uh, even Fight Club to a degree, different mm-hmm. stuff like that, where like I still yeah. enjoy the movie, I still think it's a good movie, but like I look back on it like when I was you know, you're like 18, you're like, this is I the thought, craziest yeah, like, movie yeah, I've ever seen. That and Braveheart. Really and now you're like, all right, movies. settle down. <laughs> we understand this is the first time you've seen movies that your parents didn't show you, but settle down. Um, we, uh, we're we going along, so I won't touch the other news stories. I'll just leave this one. Did you guys see that Felicity Huffman was released from prison early after serving 11 days of her 14-day sentence? I mean, she did. Good behavior. She just got back. Just did a bit. <laughs> she How- pleaded guilty. She didn't have as nearly as much as... As, as, you know, Aunt like Becky. As, Aunt Becky. Yeah, yeah. she had like $30,000 no, or something. But I'm not bad that she's... William she's H. Macy visited, visited her in prison. The conjugal. Yeah. <laughs> there for the conjugal. Shout out to Bits from Other Podcasts. Uh, Jesus and Mero did an interesting segment on their podcast about Felicity Hoffman and William H. Macy and the conjugal visit. So <laughs> check that out after you listen to this one. Um, I'll say this. What could possibly happen 
in 14 days where you get good behavior. Like, what could you have done in those 11 days? They're like, you know what? You've learned enough in these 11 days. We're just going to let... Like, why not? Why not? Ever I mean, if you look at it percentage-wise, if you had a 14-year sentence, they let you off after 11 <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, I suppose. You're all right. <laughs> so she didn't tattoo? shank anyone in 11 days. I hope she got a face tattoo. She was in one of those luxury <laughs> Could you imagine if she got, like, a Roman numeral, like, 14 under her eye or something? Uh, I was going to do a cos- an article called, Is Your Halloween Costume Offensive? Uh... Probably. I'll just Probably, leave it at yeah. that. Probably. Yeah, All right. Knows. That's fine. Uh, and let's let's close out with a couple bits of some other blogs here. Uh, this is one that I was somewhat offended by. Okay. Um, oh, offended? Yeah. Huh? What is the best minimum wage job? My first job was a movie theater usher, and reading other people's experience makes me think that might be the jackpot of minimum wage jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, people kind of give me respect because I was the barrier of entry to a movie. I was never talked down to once, and I got to see movies for free. It's very boring, but it's better than retail or food service, correct? No. No. Depend, <laughs> it, so it depends. It fully yeah. depends on the person, Yeah, I think, because I can, I'll give two answers. I give my favorite. My mm-hmm. favorite that I ever had, I really enjoyed being a pizza maker mm. when I was younger. One of my first jobs, I worked at Charlie's Pizza. We would hand toss the dough. We're just making pizzas all night as people order, and I really enjoyed it. It was really like meditative. You're out there doing yeah. it. We got paid you know, literally nothing. Yeah. It was like 17 um, but I recommend to the young kids, what's the best minimum wage job to get anything where you're away for the summer and staying with all the people you're working with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like when you, if you go, if you get shipped up to Old Forge for the summer to work at Enchanted Forest for three months, that's the job. Where you're mm-hmm. staying at like some resort with all people your age mm-hmm. and hanging out yeah. and cavorting late at night. That's what you want if you got to do minimum wage in the mm-hmm. summer as a kid. Yeah. How about you? I worked at Subway and I loved it. I had like yeah, five yeah. really great Food's friends. There. We were all best friends that worked there and hung out. So no, I loved we it. We used to go hang out at a Subway with friends of ours that yeah. worked there. It was the same thing. We knew all like yep. four people that worked there. Yep. I loved it. Uh, and last but not least, this is regarding stadium. Wait, or... what about you? What do you think? Yeah. What about... um, I mean, I would say that I always liked waiting tables more than I liked any other sort do of like... Do you think that low... counts as a minimum I mean, you could pay server know. wage, which is yeah. less than minimum wage, but like with tips, you're making so as much as electrician. My, I'm trying to think of what some like low... Wait, I, I was a stock boy for a grocery store for a long time. So you were uh, you worked at a, both a place where you sell music and you were a stock boy. Did you like a minimum wage job better where you had to talk to people or where you could chill and do your own thing? I forgot about FYE, actually. That's a good one. You were there um, for a long time. I was there exactly. for a couple of years. I, I, I mean, I just Literally. don't think about it. Uh, that job was okay as a high school kid because I could sit there and judge people's music tastes, mm-hmm. like sort of quietly or openly, depending on who it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could read whatever like Rolling Stone or magazine was out there because it was usually pretty quiet, and I didn't have a ton of responsibility. You could also scoop deals on like video yeah, games, deals, games, merchandise. Movies, yeah. and, like there were definitely times, and I think we're past the statute of limitations, yeah. where like me or other friends would come in and we get like different various discounts, and various like discounts. That, that, that was when you on had sale. to buy CDs to listen to mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Can I say one job though yeah. that they, doesn't exist really anymore is one, one hour photo. I worked at a one, one hour, hour photo. photo. Oh, really? I loved it because you could you... see everyone's pictures. And... That seems really yeah. cool to me. What did you do there? Did you actually like dark room and develop? No, no. There just... was a developed machine, and you just had to watch the pictures they come through, and make sure there were no obscene <laughs> pictures or. What's sure... protocol if something obscene comes through? You just through? throw it out. Really? Really? Yep. You don't say anything. You just hmm. throw it out. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think that the record job is sort of like the movie theater job. You do have this sort of weird gatekeeper-y vibe. Like, oh, have you heard this album? Of course I did. We got it last night. I checked yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, there is that sort of aspect to it. Not that I was ever cool enough to do mm-hmm. stuff like that, but... Uh, I will say this. I hated the stock guy job, like, working the head of the stock department at the grocery store I worked in because of what I thought it meant about me. Yeah, you know what I'm you, saying? I remember you very much having struggles at that time. Because yeah. at that young age, where like, you're... 
What am it's I doing funny with now my life? You look yeah. back and you're like 21, 22. You're like, oh my god, you're still a child. Yeah. But like at that time, you're really like, man, what am I doing? I remember you telling me like, oh, I ran into so and so. Yeah. Stocking shelves at the grocery store and it made me feel real small and real yeah. shitty. Mm-hmm. And but the actual day to day like grind of that job, like working the forklift and unloading, the, I actually kind of liked that. It's it's sort of yeah, yeah. Uh, soothing in the way that like mm-hmm. power washing something is soothing. Like this is a mess. I'm gonna put it together, and as I put it together, it's gonna be sort of. Nice in a yeah. weird. Well, I say, hard to just, yeah. I say it to you all the time. I had the job where we were putting in those spray-in bed liners and pickup trucks for a mm. summer. And I'd go in at eight o'clock in the morning. I'd put on my gas mask, my goggles, put in headphones, and just use a brush sander to sand out beds of like brand new pickup yeah. trucks. Mm-hmm. All I do is get in and make sure every single inch of it is scuffed and sanded out. And I found it to be like really like soothing and calming yeah. and meditative. I'm like I'm just you know vibing out, doing music, just keeping down, working until the work is done, keeping your head down. And I found it to be very peaceful. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. Justin, come here real quick. Well, I got you. Just before we close up, I'll give you 30 seconds on this one. We're Justin, talking... on Justin, the block. Justin, on the block. What was your best minimum wage job? Like, lo- like uh, you or close enough to move. You center. center summer program yeah. guy. I went, See? I did that for three years. I got paid jack shit, but I got to go to like Old Forge, uh, Enchanted Forest, so like you, uh, Cooperstown Hall of Fame, and you just had to keep track of like... Do you agree years. with my best thesis that the the best minimum wage job to have when you're young is one where it keeps you in lots of close proximity with the other young people you're working with like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even younger, because they, they need you. Yeah, they, they yeah. need you. No, that's a good <laughs> thing. All the fringe benefits, like your party you're going on trips like you don't have to like report yeah. to your parents you're going out everywhere good yeah. hours no weekend work you couldn't beat mm-hmm. it I like that alright thanks Justin we appreciate you and thanks for coming on earlier 5-10 an hour yeah follow oh, five, ten. follow Justin at Maiden Unica follow Heather at HeatherWaz1 follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan follow me at SFDM or just follow the show at Uticast we are on Facebook SoundCloud Instagram uh, Apple Podcasts Stitcher Podcasts take it over the web uh, November 5th folks get out there and vote it is one week from the time you hear this it's vitally important that you get out there and get your voice Heard, go vote. It is your civic duty. You should be prideful vote. of your duty. Gotta vote. Uh, Cyanar humanoids, keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Um, that's it. Tape machines are rolling. We are desperately, desperately out of time. What if that house is still on fire? What if that house is still on fire? We gotta go, we gotta go rubberneck out there and see what's up. We will see you next week on another episode of the Unicast. Have a happy Halloween, folks. Uh,